Hey guys, how you living? You doing well? Good. This is the second time I'm doing this. If you watch the YouTube video, you will see me do the original uh, spiel. But I went a little over, and it was bleeding into our uh, bleeding into our content. So now I hope I can't say what I just said again because now I've wasted all this time telling you what just happened. Here comes the speed talking. We're not going to do that. Anywho, my buddy Zach Williams, who's up in the land of OHIO right now, is a great musician, great artist. Uh, we've been friends for a very long time. I actually played music with Zach and Adam before uh, I played music with Adam and Smitty of Cornbread, the band that I'm in now, which you guys are very privy to, from what I can gather. Um, anywho, <laughs> see, we're just rambling. Uh... We talked about a lot of things that were sensitive to local uh, Myrtle Beach area and a lot of the bands that are around here and a lot of the names that you've heard myself mention with Brother Seth in that episode and the Beat Holes show that me and Seth talked about. Zach is the bass player for the Beat Holes. So we talked about that. We... Uh, so yeah, if there's anybody who makes it uh, through this through the whole podcast and you wonder about any of the names that we're talking about, I'm going to try the best that I can to find as many beat holes, clips as I can and share uh, along with this episode. So there's that. But uh, just be warned, there's a lot of local references in here and I try my best to explain these as we go to those uh, who are not from the area, but just be warned. I asked him if there was anything that he wanted to suggest that you guys should watch and listen to. Uh, he suggested Super Troopers 2, which is supposed to be really good, and I'm going to watch it in a second. Uh, also, he does this thing for Poser Vape Syrup, and he's doing jingles and voiceover work, and he's going to start doing that on the side as well. So once he gets his page up, we'll be sharing that so that uh, we can help get him some plugs as far as doing jingles and, and uh, voiceover stuff. So doing a really good job with that so far, but I'm going to post a link to that. He also says to listen to Pennywise, Never Gonna Die. He's a punk rocker, from what I can guess. Yeah, that Pennywise is also uh, coming from that vein, so there's that. Check that out. And also, thank you guys so much for listening. This is a super long episode, and after the seven bullet points that I wrote down, the rest for the first 15 minutes we went through those and then the rest is just two guys catching up that haven't talked to each other in a long time so if you want to listen to a couple of musicians hash out a little bit of, of the inner works of the industry by all means here it is without further ado episode number 45 of my stuff featuring zach williams enjoy folks see you guys have no idea what just happened you're gonna have to go to the youtube video and find out what just happened right zach You gotta check the YouTube page. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this voice coming through the electronic systems of this office phone is Brother Zach Williams. What's up, everybody? How's everybody doing? That's right. See, we love to ask you questions that you can't answer, ladies and gentlemen. It's just a part of this world. So, Zach, you're up in the. Are you in the Snow Ohio? I am in the Snow Ohio. I'm gonna tell you something. The way the weather's been, I'm waiting to see if it's going to snow, like, in the next couple of weeks. Is it seriously getting that cold there? No, I mean, it's not getting that cold, but, I mean, it's like, like, I mean, I had to roll my windows up on my way home tonight. Like, I mean, it's, it's like 70 degrees, but 
70 degrees up here is way different than 70 degrees down there. You lucky bastard. <laughs> it's been so damn it's hot. Down, and it snows in July, and then I'm shoveling the driveway. Yeah, it's been so damn hot here. I bet you don't miss that. Is there the humidity in Ohio like here at all? Uh, you know what? There can be, but I'm going to tell you something, man. Really, as much as you guys, as much as the heat sucks down there, I'd take it all day over shoveling the driveway or having to drive in snow. Yeah, I, 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 I can imagine that's probably pretty annoying. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, bi- I'm definitely built for, uh, for southern weather. I'm pretty sure. I can't. I couldn't handle. See, I was in, I I think I said this in a podcast before, I was in Oklahoma City the day they had the hottest day they've ever had, and it was like, or the hottest day they had had in like 10 or 11 years, and it was like nothing, it it felt like 80 something degrees here. (laughs) So, Zach Williams of the ever popular band, The Beat Holes, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) I went to the beat holes gig and I only have one qualm. I didn't hear a single Beatles song. False advertisement. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of those things. Yeah. You know what though? Wait a minute though. We may not have actually played a Beatles song. You did George Harrison. I was gonna say if you were there you would have if you were there for the for the time. I got my mindset on you. Yes, sir. It's going to take time, a whole lot of precious time, world. All that precious time. Yeah, it's going to take plenty of time. (laughs) The first gig, the first gig that I played, um, like in the circle that I'm in now, I'm pretty sure was with you and Adam at Mellow Mushroom. You know what? I'm pretty sure I remember that uh, as well. You, uh, Adam, Adam was like, uh, there's, "There's this kid coming there that's gonna come and jam with us," <laughs> and I was like, "That's cool, uh, you know, whatever, dude." And then you got up there, and all of a sudden, like this this guitar solo like comes out of nowhere, and I was like, "I think it's time for me to quit and hand the mantle over." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then you started singing, and I was like, "Okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm not." No, man. This guy can have it. <laughs> yeah, and then and then punk rock rhythms on a djembe. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like yeah, just Yeah, we're doing we're doing no effects or something like that on a on a djembe. It was pretty interesting times. So oh yeah, uh, I was talking with Seth, who you know, who was at the Beat Hole show. And uh, yeah. me and Seth were talking about how the how that how the Beat Holes experience went. And just, just so just to catch everybody up who's not familiar with the Beat Holes references, how about you? How about you go down a road and explain what the Beat Holes are and were for everybody who's not familiar with the culture that they need to be hip to. Well, I mean. Uh- My sort of explanation is uh, the Beatles started in 1998, and um, I met Ian because I, I was starting my own band, and I never, I never dreamt of starting a band. But this kid, he introduced me to Ian. Ian was going to be our drummer, so um, 
this is a little bit of a weird intro to get into it, but anyway. Nah, you're Ian, good. And Ian comes and plays drums. He, he lays the he writes drums for the for the very first time, like to a song that I've ever written, and I thought it was amazing. And then Ian's like, "So my band's gonna be practicing later on. You should stick around and check them out." So I sit around and I I like wait for them, and they come up and they start playing, and all of a sudden, to me at the time. They sounded like they should have been flat out all over the radio. Like, I mean, it was like a perfect <laughs> mix of uh, Weezer Blue Album and MXPX. Perfect. It was just, I mean, and Ian's vocals were just amazing. His song, you know, the songs were so catchy. Like, and Ian's a monster. Even, huh? Ian's a monster. Uh, Ian is absolutely a monster. But the funny thing is, is like, if you go back and listen to the old stuff, like Ian had this this real innocence to his voice. Like you could hear, like the, like how he was like some girl had broke his heart. You know what oh I mean? man, like, I know exactly what you mean. Voice. But like back then, like I said, like I mean, I, I hear this band like practicing, and I'm just like, yeah, these guys are amazing. And then I go to the first show that, to see them play. And everybody there is going nuts. Like they just love the beat holes, and I'm like, I knew what these guys need to be famous. So the beat holes go through a bunch of different lineup changes. I mean, like Michael Wood was in there for a while, um, and then uh, you know there's a few a few different lineup changes, and then at some point Ian came to me and was like, uh, I, Hey, we need a bass player. You know, and I was like, that, that would be awesome, you know, but... Uh, That's so also, good, man. I love these wow. stories. Huh? These are my favorite kind of stories. I just did a fist pump when he asked you to be the bass player. I just love hearing how this happened. Well, the funny thing is, though, is Ian asked me to be the bass player, and then I didn't see Ian again for, for like, another six months. Like, we lost touch. I lost touch with that entire crowd because he's from Boris. Now the North Myrtle Beach, and I had no car. Yeah. So we lost we lost touch, and then at some point, one of our friends, this dude Corey, who used to be the bass player of the Beat Holes, he showed up and was like, "You, me, and Ian are going to start a punk band." Well, we did it for like a minute, and it was fun. But uh, it but Ian and I were just flat out connect right off the bat. I mean, Ian and I were just. I mean, it was like Linda McCartney, John and Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, it's it, like every he and I were. I could start writing a piece, and I would just go to Ian and be like, "Hey, I, I feel like this is missing something." Ian would nail it. And the same thing, uh, you know, opposite. Ian would come to me and just be like, "Hey, um, you know, I, I've, I've got this this song with this lyric, but I'm not sure where it should go." In ten minutes, we had a full song. Um, but then one day he shows me this beat hole CD that was recorded. Like, I mean, and th- th- this is in the year 2000. So the fact that yeah. beat holes have recorded a compact disc. In 2000, that's a huge feat. That was a big deal. You know what I mean? So oh, I'm, yeah. Oh, my God. You know, this is incredible. And I'm like, dude, it would be so badass if you could get the beat holes back together. You asked me to play bass once. I have a bass guitar now and a bass amp. Let, let's do something. This is so awesome. And so. Yeah, and he called up Bradley, who was the drummer, and then uh, this guy, and then Garrett, who I had gone to high school with, he called him up, too, and which I didn't know about at the time, but he was like, hey, so, by the way, he called, Ian calls me, and I'm like, he's like, hey, so are you busy today? And I'm like, no, what's up? And he's like, I was thinking about 6 o'clock, maybe like a, maybe a beat hole practice. 
Dude, I melted. I absolutely melted. That's so awesome. I was, I was like, I don't know what to do right now. The coolest guy I've ever met, the best songwriter that I sit, that I personally know, has just invited me to band practice. Where, so what? What is that? What does that do to you? You're already a pretty established musician at this point, I'm sure. Like in your own right, you know, like you you've put in your time learning learning all these instruments and shit that you because you can play anything. No, but see, actually, really, no. This is really, honestly, this is the beginning of my real like music career. At this point, I had been playing guitar and I learned how to play every single Green Day song that ever lived. Yeah. And then by this point, I had learned some Weezer and some Blake Maybe Two songs, but the essentials. Uh, and then I picked up bass for the beat holes, basically. I picked up the bass to to play for the beat holes, and it was, I mean, dude, I'll tell you, like Ian taught me to sing harmonies. Ian taught me to put pauses in songs. You know, um, pauses are everything. It really is like, and at that point, dude. I mean, you know, I'm I'm 17 years old. Like, I didn't know that, which is weird. You would think I'd know that at that point, but I didn't have anybody to discuss this stuff with. Like at that point in time. But from that point, like everything, everything started jump starting, man. And I, you know, and it was like really, uh, it was the biggest moment probably for me in my mu- in, in my musical life. So to speak. That's a huge statement, man. So, like, Ian calling you, asking you to go to band practice with the beat holes was your turning point? Uh, well, well, first of all, the fact that Ian wanted to start a band with me, that little punk rock thing that we did for a second, that was the turning point. But ah, when, I got you. When, it, when, Ian, when Ian, because Ian and I, at that, like, Ian's not a punk rock guy anymore. But back then, Ian and I were, like, side by side on the punk rock taste. Um, all the same style, all the same style of music. We had the same ideas, same direction that we wanted to go in. But yeah, as soon as Ian was like, "So I'm thinking about a beat hole practice," I was like, "That's it. I'm done. I have nothing else to do." Sign right? them, so, sign me up. Like I mean, for you, I mean seriously, I know this is going to sound over dramatic, but I mean seriously, imagine if if it were possible, if the Grateful Dead were to come to you and be like, by the way, dude, we need like a rhythm guitar player to go on the background. <laughs> I mean, think yeah. about it for a second, dude. Imagine. I mean, I would lose my shit. To me at the time, dude, the beat holes were no different than, and, and, and uh, like I said, we're talking the year 2000. Yes. The beat holes were no different to me than Blink-182, um, you know, uh, uh MXTX, Weezer, like I, to me at that time they were that big. So how many years? How many years in that did Ian have on everybody else? Like did Ian? Like you, you're saying that you that was sort of your beginning of like live performance, pretty much. Well, that was my that was my that was the beginning of a band of me being in a band that sounded like a band. Okay, but okay, had, I get you. I had my first band, Super Sound. With a terrible name and terrible songs, but we probably played like four or five shows. We played a I got you. fourth talent show that was, you know, we we did really good at that show, but I mean, nobody knew who we were. But the beat holes, we were tight, and we all were on the exact same page. We all, we knew what, it's 
hard to explain. Like, we knew what we were doing. Like, in a way, we didn't know what we were doing, but it worked. It fit. Yeah. Better than anything else I had ever done in my life. I have to admit that the Beat Hole Show was my very first punk rock show. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny. We really kind of migrated away from the punk rock thing in the later years, as you can tell. Like, I mean, we were kind of more of a... Uh, yeah, it wasn't, and I say I say punk rock as in the most of the people who were at the show reminded me of of the punk rockers. Absolutely. Now the scene was punk rock. The scene, yeah, that's that's sort of what I'm getting at, uh, yeah. dude. The music, dude. It was, it was like, it, it was. It so reminded me of like, uh, and I'm not gonna use it. Don't don't be offended if I say emo. I love emo, but it sort of reminded me of some of those like the breaks and the pauses and the the high harmonies that a lot of the stuff I love to listen to. Like the emo stuff I love, it reminds me of a lot of that. Or like that Tiger's Jaw thing that I sent you that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's one of the things, like, with Ian's voice, like, I mean, and that, like, Ian, now, this is a, this is going to be kind of a weird reference. Like, I wouldn't say that the, that the beat holes sound like the Ataris, but Ian, me and Ian's Ian got that voice. Back in the day. Huh? Ian's got that voice. And, well, Ian, and the funny thing is, is we recorded this terrible, terrible CD one time, and it was uh, just because we were using all these really indie tones, and um, like it was, just was not it was the songs we were we were using that click track, and everything was so slow. But the, one of the biggest things that came out of this is everybody started calling Ian the boss <laughs> because Ian was just belting. I mean, it was the first time we'd ever noticed, like, because, like I said, in the early days, you could hear the innocence in his voice. Yeah. Ian's voice back then was a lot of, uh, like, I'm trying to say, like, he, like he had, we had the song, oh no, like back in the day, you'd hear Ian start the song and be like, oh no, you know what I mean? Like he sounded yeah. really like he was sad and he was. But then it got later on, man, and later in the later days, he could bust out, you know, we could hit that note, and he'd be like, oh, no. You know yeah, I mean? the rasp, Just, the growl. Was, he, yeah, he had, well, he had the feeling, like he was, like he was, he was owning the song at that point. That's what Brian Jordan told me. Uh, Ian did a gig with us at Hot Fish Club once, and it was the first time, I think, that we had ever played with Ian, or he had played with us, with me and Smitty, and... Uh, mm -hmm. Brian Jordan was like, dude, Ian's Ian's voice, like his delivery, his presence, that's that's his bread and butter. Absolutely, yeah, dude. Ian's voice is, I mean, and he can do anything. I remember one time uh, we were, I, I was at this this thing at North Myrtle Beach High School. I, it was like a like a one of those like walk for cancer things or something. Yeah, like a relay for uh, life. Yeah, like one of those sort of things. And we were there, and me and uh, me and a buddy. Jeremy Todd, uh, also from One Bad Apple, like, we're, he and I, and I'm talking, again, like, 1999, we're, like, walking the track, you know, walking a couple of, of laps for, you know, cancer or something. Yeah. And I hear, in the in the far distance, they started karaoke, and I hear in the far distance, you know you want to leave me, but I so much. And it's, it, I'm just like, wow, <laughs> dude, me and Jeremy are like, this dude is singing his ass off. But we get, dude, we get around, and it's Ian. <laughs> <laughs> nailing this temptation 
singing Temptations. And I'm just like, I have no idea what to think right now. I, I'm looking at the, the who I know to be the punk rock god. And he's nailing some Motown right now. That's great. Dude, I'm telling you, Ian can do anything, dude. His voice can, he, he can, he can nail it, dude. <laughs> yeah, man, he's, uh, dude, he's awesome. And I, I, I talked, I talked to him for just a second, uh, at the set break at the beat hole show. And we have a similar issue with anxiety, I think. And, uh, I he he's I think he had to go and like sit in his car at the set break or something because of all the people. Uh-huh. Um I I had I was having like I I think I even told you about it when uh, we were talking by the merch table. Mm-hmm. Like that I was just like I got to that point, you know, to where it was just any second the switch could be flipped and my and I could have a panic attack just because I was around a lot of people. And that, yeah, the, the crowd like that can can kind of do it if you have any sort of. I mean, I I I had that issue too, not as much anymore as I used to, but yeah, I know about the anxiety. Yeah, and I and had. Ian, Ian's got it too. And I, dude, I think everybody has it. I think everybody has it, and I yeah. think that nobody has really like figured out like, oh, this is what I have. You know, I don't think that people are realizing that. Um, but it was interesting that uh, after I, like, started seeing how much fun everybody was having at that show, that sort of curved my anxiety. And by the end, I was actually in the middle of the pit, you know. Like, I, I could, like, it started off and I was, like, by myself standing over to the side. And then, like, I just sort of edged closer and closer to the middle as the show went on. So, I mean, somehow, y'all, out of all people, curved that, like, crippling anxiety that I usually have. Well, the funny thing is, man, is, is I mean, the big, one of the biggest things about a B-hole show is, I mean, it, it's almost impossible to find a bad vibe at a B-hole show. And I'm not speaking for, I'm not speaking because that's my band or the band that I'm in. Yeah, yeah. Play in, you know, like literally because like I said, dude, I, I'm a full out Beatles fanboy. I was a huge fan long before and I still am appreciative of the day that Ian asked me to play. But it's one of those things though, man, like I, as, as the people, as the fans, I, it's weird to call it. It's weird to say fans. That sounds weird. No, nah, man, you, you, can, you can say fans. I say you can say fans because I call fans of cornbread fans of cornbread. Well, I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, I, I guess basically the, the crowd, as the crowd grew over the years, that, yeah. uh, that, that makes me feel better to say. <laughs> but, I see what uh, you mean. You don't want to demean them. Yeah. So, but, like, as, as the crowd grew, man, it's like everybody, everybody came to the beat hole show because they knew – it was going to be a good time. You're going to see people that that you hadn't seen in, in a long time or um, you knew that these certain, these certain crowds of people were going to be there. And, I mean, it was funny, dude. Like, I mean, you go to a whole show. If there was a lot of bands back then that brought crowds, you know, that had huge crowds. Um, but beat holes, man, I mean, you got people from Loris, people from Conway, people from Surfside, North Myrtle Beach. You got people from Calabash coming. You know what I mean? And, and now, granted, now, there were bigger bands like the Classic Struggle who brought people from everywhere. 
You yeah. know what I mean? But it was like the beat holes. We had those, those, the happy poppy tunes, you know, and it was, we would play a show and then we all went to this, this pancake house called Aples. We used to, it was, it would be us and like 10 or 15 other people all going and we would all hang out there after a show, you know, eat breakfast and, you know, all go home. But it was, it, it was always a good time. Like there was never, nobody ever got in a fight at a beat hole show. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, angry that's a good reputation to have as a band. Yeah, especially, I mean, especially a high energy days. band like that. Yeah, and I mean, in the early days, in the, in, the, in my early days, we had a couple of speedy punk rock tunes, and some people would want to get in there and dance to them, you know what I mean? Like, they'd want to get in there and kind of mosh a little bit, but it was always a friendly thing, you know? Yeah. Like, if anybody got knocked down, the first thing to do was to pick that person up, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly, that's... But it That's, never got that. It never got so aggressive. I think I've seen like two people fall. You know what I mean? Like it was never like super aggressive or anything like that. But I mean, dude, there was one guy. Did you? By the way, did you know the guy who went to stage dive at the show? Actually, that was uh, that was the drummer's uh, little brother. That's hilarious because he almost ate shit. Mm-hmm. And, and not because and the, like like it was it was like he he jumped, but I think he jumped a little too far. <laughs> And thankfully, yeah. thankfully, whoever was there caught him, but that it was that almost went not good. But see, the funny thing about that though is like, like, and even as I was saying, like, like a lot of people there knew Bradley's brother. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people there who'd never seen him before, but dude, nobody was gonna let him go down. Like, go down. You know? What oh I mean? yeah, for like, sure. Was the people that the people that hang out at our shows, man? It's it, it was always. Like, I mean, and the funny thing is, man, is even like like there were there would be gothic kids that would come and hang out at beat hole shows just because they knew it was going to be a good time. They want to be like, yeah, they got some, you know, they got they got some some sissy songs, but you know, <laughs> but the emptiness was blah blah blah, you know, or whatever song, you know what I mean? Yeah, they got some sissy songs. You know, well, you know, they probably use other words that I'm not going to use, but. Yeah, you know well. what I mean. I, like it was just uh, that's and that. I mean, in that like from that, like the beat hole started hitting a rocky spot at some point in time, like around 2002 or something like that, or 2003. And and I wanted to split off and do that was when like the newfound glory was getting really big and the the early good good Charlotte, the, you know, the the real pop, super pop, and the pop punk and the emo thing was coming around. Yeah. So that was when the beat holes broke up, and I decided to do radical essays, I guess. And um, I met Seth Gore, and was writing songs with him. And I knew if I was going to do a pop punk band, I was going to grab Adam, Adam Justice. You know? so, oh, Adam Justice. Yeah, and the funny thing is, dude, I'm going to tell you something right now. Is now I was, I'm proud of the songs that I wrote in radical essays. But I know for an absolute fact that nobody would have cared that much about those songs had I not been in the beat holes first. Now, how does that feel? How does that make you feel? That feels perfectly fine to me. Like, I'm, like I love the fact that, I mean, now somebody may come to me and be like, hey, you guys should play the beat hole song, and, you know, but, uh, you know, but it was, 
I just like, ah, you know, I got to talk to you about that. Uh, maybe we might cover a Beatles song later or something, you know. But people, dude, I mean, there was a point in time that, I mean, Radical Essays, we were packing out every weekend. You know what I mean? It was, I mean, people were, they, they I met people through the beat holes, and then, like, there was a couple people out there who liked Radical Essays better just because they loved that pop punk thing, but they still, no one would deny beat holes in you know what i mean in yeah. songwriting is just immaculate i actually i played the uh the one song that you you're you, the the beat holes hit um Batman yeah <laughs> um i played that i think ian played that one with us at hot fish club and i was like do you have anything you want to do or any originals or whatever and he, i think we played that song so, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and Ian can correct me, I'm going to send him a link to this because we've shouted him out a shitload. So, uh, <laughs> but he he can correct me. I think that we played that song with him at Hot Fish Club. So, I, that gives me a little bit of a, you know, it makes me happy on the inside to know that I, I at least played that song live once with Ian. Yeah, that song, man, that was the one song. Dude, I, I put it to you this way, dude. There was one night we actually literally, I want to say within like a, an hour and a half set, we played that. And granted, this song is five minutes long. In one night that we played like an hour and a half long set, we played that song three times. <laughs> was that request sake? or? Yeah, Garrett absolutely, Garrett absolutely hates that song now because of that night. But yeah. We always we used to always open the set with that one because it was just the it, like the way that song starts. It was the perfect opener. Um, but then we had people always trailing in later on in the evening, you know, or later on in the night. They're you know playing those different kind, you know. Which, so, and, but we were always like, oh, you know, we already played it. But one night, dude, it was like we just really didn't care, and we played it for somebody who else who came in later. <laughs> somebody came in like. A little bit later, and the whole crowd was like, "No, it's a or "No, no, no," or something like that. And we were like, "Okay," so we did it for a third time, and <laughs> it, it it was hilarious. Though I had fun playing it all three times. Garrett, at the end of the show, was like, "I hope we never play this song again." <laughs> See, I'm that person. Like, I do not like to repeat songs at all. Now, I mean, I have before. Like, if somebody comes up to the tip jar with like a 20 in their hand and they're asking for something that I've already done. I'm not an idiot. Of course I'll do it. <laughs> but, but yeah, anytime that you have to repeat songs and that's something that not a lot of other, not, not a lot of folks in other professions will understand because in their job, they have to do the same thing every day. Usually, you know what I mean? Like uh, yeah. in, in our profession, we sort of get to pick what we want to do, you know, and, and, we don't have to overdo something if we've already done something too much. We don't have to do it anymore. And yeah. but it's awesome that I don't know. It's awesome that you, you uh, that you get to do that. But I definitely and I don't think I know Garrett. I know Bradley. I know Ian. I know you. Obviously, uh, I don't think I know Garrett very well. Garrett, uh, he's. Um, I mean, uh, he's. Garrett is an awesome person. He really is. I mean, he's obviously he's like a family member to me. But um, Garrett kind of uh, like he doesn't do the social media thing. Um, he's uh, Garrett is probably <laughs> like almost the epitome of what I would want to be. Like he doesn't do Facebook basically, or he doesn't do social media pretty much for the most part uh, because like he just he has no time for drama. He 
time for, uh, you know, clickbait. Uh, what does somebody think about this? What does somebody think about that? And I, like, he just doesn't, you know what I mean? He doesn't have time for that. And I can he, see that. And I completely admire him for that. Me, on the other hand, I'm like, well, I got my cousins and my second cousins and my 18th cousins. Like, you know. Yeah, you want to stay in touch with people that you can't physically it. see regularly. Yeah, and basically he's more or less like if you really want to keep in touch with me, then, you know, we have just phone numbers and we, you know. Very old-fashioned. I got nothing against old-fashioned. Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I, I, like I said, I completely, 100% admire Garrett for that. Now, uh, it's funny though, like he, like I said, like like when I, like I, as, I, as I mentioned, like him being like a family member, he is like the Beatles. We spent so much time together, even before I was in the Beatles. We were all friends beforehand, and like I said, yeah. Garrett and I went to high school together. I mean, and it's something Bradley said one time. Like it's really weird. It came to the point to where. Like, if I'm hanging out somewhere and Bradley walks in, there's absolutely no difference that I see when he walks in than if, like, my brother Heath or Shane were to walk in the door. Like, it's, like, literally, like, my brother just walked in the door. Like, it's not, like, my best buddy. No, yeah. Like, it's you know, blood, sweat, and tears, you know, so many, so much time gone by, you know, it's one of those kind of things. Now, how long were you guys together for? Well, I mean, I was, I started in the band in 2000. Me and Garrett both started in the band in 2000. The Beatles had started, the Beatles started in 1998. Yes. With Ian and Bradley. Like, Ian and Bradley were the, were the ones who started. And actually, the original bass player was De- uh, Daryl Graham's brother, Devin. Ah, uh, yeah. And he played with him for a little bit. And like I said, I mean. Daryl introduced me. To Devin at that show, and that's the oh, brother he lives you. in New York with. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I met him at the show. He actually caught the fucking shirt. Oh, I got you. <laughs> didn't he? When you guys were throwing the t-shirts, didn't he catch the shirt? And and they were like, "You can't wear a shirt that you were in the you were in this band." I think I was the one that said that. I think you did say that. T-shirt, you're all bad. Yeah. <laughs> now, he wrote some cool, he wrote some good bass lines for me to play, man. <laughs> for the most part, well, he wrote it, back in 1998. I play them verbatim almost. Well, dude, and I know we were, I know we were talking a lot about, uh, a lot about Brother Ian a while ago, and he deserves all the words, the kind words that you said, but I must say, I love the pick bass. I love I love bass players that that do, that do the pick bass. That's just I don't know why I like that, but you absolutely nailed that shit. And I played with you for a very long time. It seemed like before, or not necessarily before, because uh, I started playing with you and Adam around uh, I don't know around a week or so before I played with Smitty and Adam. And, uh, dude, you, you, you've always, you, you play so damn fast. I don't know how you keep up like with yourself. I mean, I guess it's gotta be those punk rock roots, man. I mean, really it's, well, okay. So really, so I started playing guitar when I was like 12 or something like that. And it was the entire, 
I mean, my whole life, I, I remember, like, as a little kid, you know, kid, you know, people, what do you want to be when you grow up? And everybody's like, I want to be a fireman. I want to be a policeman. I was like, I either want to be a rock star or a movie star. Like, Same here. I was saying that at, like, five years old. Same here. But, um, and then, but when Green Day came out, and I, and like, it's so, I, like, it's almost embarrassing sometimes to look back on this, but, like, but not to look back on it, but, like, with what, what everything is now, I guess. Yeah. Green Day came out, and I heard them, dude. And at that point, dude, for like four or five years, I thought Green Day was like the only band that existed. You know what I mean? Like that was the only thing I cared about. Dude, they were just like, this is what I want to do for my life from now on. And my dad got a guitar, got me a guitar. He actually really he got me a really cheap guitar. He really didn't think I was going to stick with it, so he didn't want to spend a bunch of money on it. Yeah, I understandable. <laughs> Yeah, so, because um, I was kind of bad, like, giving up on stuff at the time, but, um, anyway, so I got that, and that was what I wanted to do, and I was playing guitar and trying to learn, like, Green Day and Metallica songs and stuff like that, you know, trying to learn all these guitar solos, but eventually, when the first time that Ian asked me to play bass for that little punk thing that we were doing, um... I was like, okay, and I had just started listening to Blink and Day to uh, Do Ranch. Oh yeah. So I was like, great record. I was like, yeah, yeah, great record. So I'm like, okay, me and Ian could be like, you know, Tom and Mark. That's fine. I could, I could pick the bass, and somehow I'm gonna go pick up the bass, dude. And it just came naturally to me. Like I can't, I can't goof a guitar solo, you know, at all. Like just guitar solo on the whim. Like, I have to... And if I do, it's just going to be some Mickey Mouse-like melody or something. Like, I'm not going to be able to do any sort of, like, you know, Jimi Hendrix sort of shit or anything. But anyway, I picked up the bass, and, like, it just kind of fell in line. Like, I just... It, it, it felt natural. Yeah. Now, regular... See, that's the thing. If you do, like... Uh, but you do acoustic fills basically, like not not just just like when you're playing acoustic, just a little itty bitty finger things that you do that, like you do just that becomes just your way of making chords. That yeah. that's just second nature when you're playing acoustic and accompanying yourself. Those things on bass are are phenomenal. Like just those little, and and I, I play I, when I play bass. I've been using a pick a lot lately, and for me, it's easier to do that because I'm much better with a pick than with my fingers. Unless any ladies are listening, yeah. hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, and you know what though? Like, well, you can make up you make up with your fingers on the other end, not with the on the other hand. So yeah. All that. Really, I think basically what it was is I treated the bass like a guitar. Like I just played it the same way as I would a regular, you know, six string. Yeah, I guess that's what I'm saying too. Is I, I really appreciate people who play it like that, and you do that for sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's more. It, well, for me, it's easier and it's it's more fun. Like I'm terrible, terrible, but with finger picking on a bass, like I'm so inconsistent. Yeah, I'm missing beats. I'm dropping. I'm dropping beats left and right, or like I can't stay in that. Give a hard pluck on the wrong. You know. Yeah. Because you're trying to reach. Because you missed that last one. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. You know, but but it was a what? I guess one of my biggest things that I wanted to do. Now, originally, I started out trying to write like a god bass player. I was trying. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I the biggest things that I wanted to do was to make sure that I wasn't going. I like I I wanted transitions from one chord to the next to be smooth. I didn't want it to be like boom 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 boom. You know what I wanted? To yeah. Do like, Yeah, like you do this dum dum like those those weird like uh not weird, but I just I love those like uh I don't know man, I love I I guess that since I and, and what's funny is I've got this old this old bass with the MXPX sticker on it, the black P V bass. You remember that one? Yeah. Well I've got it. <laughs> and and I've been playing with that thing. I, I've been playing uh, like when I'm home, I don't play guitar. I try because I, I get bored. I play guitar for a living. You know, when I get home, I want to do something different. And I was explaining this to to Austin at the music store the other day, who also listens. And uh, I, I just it, just sitting around playing bass a lot. You start to think about guitar differently when you play another instrument more. You think about the one that you play all the time differently, you know, and I'm sure you you've gone through that as well. And uh, oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's especially when you're playing bass, like because for me, it came to the point to where it was like, uh, like I could hear a melody in the music without hearing like a singing melody, and that was what I wanted to do with the bass. Yes. Like, it doesn't have to be a guitar, so it's not out front, but it's something that needs to be, like, I guess basically, like, I guess I think of it as ear candy, but... Exactly, that's exactly up, what it is. That you can, it's up front enough that, you know, it's not completely in the background that you don't know it's there. But if, you, if you're not a musician, you wouldn't know what it is, but you know it's there. Oh, yeah, exactly, like, like in, uh, uh, like in Come Together. Yeah, like it's it's like the whole song is built on that dun 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 dun, and like you don't think about it being like it's just so in the forefront that you don't really even think about it. Like everything else happening around it sort of overshadows. But if you were to remove that, it'd be like, oh shit, what is this I'm listening to? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. But yeah, dude. I, but I, I, I sort of, I sort of lost track when I was talking about bass. <laughs> but what I was trying to say is that we we did brag on brother Ian a lot, and Ian is great. But you are a fantastic musician as well, with an awesome voice, who can record every music part and do an album all by yourself, which you have done, and it sounds fucking awesome, dude. Like I, uh, it's, uh, I appreciate that. I, I, I <laughs> that sounds funny. I, I, I think more of myself as a kid that's bored. <laughs> but dude, you know what? That's the best way to be as a musician is bored, because if you're ever content, you you'll 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 reach a plateau. If you're constantly bored musically, you'll you'll constantly be progressing. I think. Yeah, no, I actually, I think you're completely right about that. Um, I mean, I do, I really miss having other people to write with and uh, stuff like that. Um, but pretty much, th- like, that's how, 
like the drum beats that I do on the songs, like it's all programmed. Like I program this kick beat here, that snare. Yes, but here. you have the ear. You have the musical knowledge to do that. And, well, and I mean, I kind. I mean, I, I would say I, I would say that I kind of do. I guess, but it's at the same time that like I have the time to be like, that sounds bad. Let me move that kick. Yes. You know. But but see that's that's what I'm saying is like because uh, I do I do some things um, like I've been making some beats for a while for Michael Swaim you know Michael Swaim uh, with Crack dot com or used to be with Crack dot com now does the small beans and uh, I've been making some beats for him and uh, it, it's like I, I use a drum track but like you say to know that okay this doesn't sound right here i'm going to change this a little bit just to have that ear takes a lot more talent than people people recognize and you have that friend oh well <laughs> i appreciate that ian yeah ian usually kind of is like i was well, the beatles made a joke before they they when they were because they were practicing a lot before uh I was able to get into town, and they, they, they would text me from time to time and say, well, it, we can't remember how this part goes. How does it go? It was because I was always the one to pay, I guess, to pay that much attention to detail. Yes. And I, I don't know. It was, it was just funny whenever they would kind of they would kind of text me about that sort of stuff. But, I mean, I, but at the same time, though, I guess in the grand scheme, like that, like I said, that was my life. That's the only thing I cared about. So, and not to mention as many as many shows as like the Beatles played, or you know, sitting down writing my own songs. Like I'm thinking, I played drums for a band, played bass for a band, guitar for a band. Like, I, is that how you learn how to play those instruments? Uh, I mean, bass I learned for the Beatles. Drums I goofed with. Um, but in jazz band in high school, when okay. I was playing jazz band with Garrett. Um, but then, I mean, it just you know when I first, like I said, when I first met Ian, like Ian, you know, his uh, we shared a practice space with the Beat Holes, so equipment was just always set up, and it was at my friend's house or my friend's shed. So we just go in there, and if me and my buddy Stacy wanted to go in there and jam, I'd sit behind a drum set while he played some some guitar lick. You know, and just goof around. So it was just kind of, uh, I always had the resources around, I guess. Yeah, same just here. Have it, it, fun. Do whatever. If you're able to, if you're able, like uh, like kids today that have video games in the living room, that they can walk to and play. Like, I had instruments sitting around my house. And that's that's a really, really fortuitous way to grow up. And Absolutely, you're yeah, you're one hundred percent right. I I had the video games at my house. I didn't have all the instruments, all the instruments at my house, but I always had someone who was willing to pick me up, take me where the instruments were, and that's all I wanted to do. Well, that, that I mean, you fostered that as a child that you you wanted you 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 got that feeling one time. When you played something and you were like, okay, this is this is what I want. This is what I want to do with my life. And yeah, I mean, it was a lot. Yeah, it was a lot when I when I learned the guitar. But man, that first time that 
someone play bass and 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 drums to to a song that I had written. It was all. I mean, the song was terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, your first. Yeah, I I've got this theory that every artist should void off their first five years of uh, their first five years of original music. <laughs> Because you always do shit that you're embarrassed of, or, or maybe the first year would be six would be fine. But I mean, me personally, I, I would just like to void off the first five years of things that I recorded. Yeah, I, well, I'll go with the first two just because. Well, yeah, because I probably started writing in '98, and then the Beatles, and Beatles in 2000. So I can't knock my first five years, but first, yeah, exactly. I, I hear that. But yeah, you know what I mean. But I had, you know what I mean. I had help with Ian. If it had been just me by myself, you know what I mean. I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have. Uh, I wouldn't have been yeah, as successful in writing as I was. Now, do you ever wonder? And I and I not to. And I ask this because I'm a. I'm I'm borderline narcissistic, and I think all musicians are in a sense. But uh, do you ever wonder how different your songwriting or musicianship or any of that would have been had it not been for Ian or Beat Holes or or that portion of your life? Well, uh, I want to say that I'm sure that I would have I wouldn't be exactly where I am now. I may would have been in a different bit of a position, but I would. I, I, I can say that with all the people, with all the different people and the different musicians that I've known over the years, like since since I started playing guitar, like I would have been. I would be somewhere close to where I am right now. Like I would either be because the different the different people that I hung out with, excuse me, around that time, like I would have. There's a possibility I could be an 80s metal rocker right now, like playing Steve Vai solos all day long. Yeah, um, I could see I could see Zach ripping some Steve Vai. I mean, dude, I love Steve Vai, and I mean, I, and I was, that's stuff that I was into back then. Like, I mean, I'm you know, dude, you know, I got Beach Boys, Metallica, Green Day. You know what I mean? Like, yes, like my my musical taste is all over the place. But I mean, like, it, like where that's very healthy. You know? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think so too. I, I mean, I could have ended up in a different situation, but I, I mean, I, I'll put it this way: I, I don't think I, I don't think whatever situation I would have been in, I would have ended up in. I don't think I would have been as happy as I am now, because even Ian, that was one of the things with me and Ian. Like me and Ian, we were all like Green Day, MXDX, Weezer, and I think we were we were doing that, and then one day all of a sudden. I start playing uh, 18 in Life by Skid Row. Like, yeah. goofing around on the guitar. And Ian, all of a sudden, he's like, and I'm like, what do you know about some Skid Row? And Ian starts rocking them off. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Not only are we punk rock, <laughs> but, you know, we into the punk rock stuff, but you know the 80s hair bands, too? And it just, you know what I mean? Like, That's so awesome, man. Exactly, dude. Like, I, mean, that's, that's I think about I think too. about similar things, like with me and Adam, or even me and Smitty, like with the '90s stuff, like just random, random '90s songs. 
Because yeah. that's you remember that was pretty much what we did. We were all '90s back in the day, pretty much. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, and it was yeah, and you guys all you guys always always nailed it. It's it's like it's funny too because none of us ever liked to practice. <laughs> well, that's yeah, that's generally how that goes, and and. <laughs> Around that, around Adam, and I mean, now me and Adam always tried to practice before you and Smitty got into it. But once we got, once we got about twenty or thirty songs together, Adam and I would practice very little bit. It would be uh, most of our practices are just the same way as you guys' practices are now at the gigs. Yes, we'll be like somebody will come up and ask for a song and be like, "Well, you know what? I haven't even thought about this song in years, but sure, let's try it." Because, I mean, what's the worst that's going to happen? The best thing, I think, for an artist is to bomb on stage. Yeah, absolutely. I I think that is, and and a lot of people, and I hear comedians talk about that a lot because I watch a lot of stand-up and I watch a lot of, like, comedians in cars getting coffee, which I talk about way too much. Oh, yeah. But uh, just hearing... People say, like, just Seinfeld said it, Rogan said it a bunch of times, it's the best medicine and the best way. Uh, Bill Burr says it a lot for people to to advance their comedy is to just do a shitty gig, like bomb on stage a few times. And, like, it sort of... It sort of like sets your bar as to where, you know, if if there's like a 30 or 40 percent chance that you may do this song well, then shit, let's go for it. But if yeah. you, if there's like a 10 to 20 percent chance that as the years go on, you'll be able to judge at what percentage is worth trying this song or or whatever have you. So, yeah, I am 100 percent a fan of the on stage practice ritual. Well, the funny thing, man, is I used to hate that. Like, me at the time, like, back then, I was like, well, and, but you're also, like, you're also an excellent improv guy. You were one of the best improv guys I've ever seen. Me and Adam, well, well, my direction at that point in time was I wanted to see what I could do to emulate a rock song from the CD on an acoustic. I wanted you to remember every note that that song had back in 1992 yes you know what i mean and, but i wanted to emulate it on on the acoustic in a way that you would still feel the way that you did when you heard it back then and i've come a long way since then yeah but, i'm with you there that was a gimmick i was trying that was a gimmick i was trying to go for back then though like i was like you know what i mean i was like i want to be your radio acoustically but you know like i said come a long way since then and I don't think that I was, I was doing a I don't think that it was a bad idea back then but you need to have a balance a, a well, mix of um, verbatim yes and improv and you know what I mean like yeah improv or your own style absolutely and I, I, I uh, I'll say that a lot to uh, I'll say that a lot to Adam or Adam or Smitty or whatever like for instance certain um, Certain solos, and I'm that way with leads, with solos. Like, I want to get the solos perfect. Like, of course, I want to be able to do my own thing, but I can do that anytime. You know, I can do my own thing anytime. But if if somebody listens to Hotel California by the Eagles, I want to do the solo right. You know, I want to nail 
that one part. And I'm like, I want to get it as close as I can to the way that they did it on the record with an acoustic guitar. Because I think that that is more impressive than doing your own thing for, well, to me. Well, if you can, if you can do it on an, on an acoustic guitar and give the crowd what it is that they were looking for. Yes. That's the magic. That's, that's, yes, that's the magic. That's the thing. Like once somebody hears the, the, the intro and I'm, I'm hotel California is the, the one on my mind. So I'll use that. Once somebody hears the intro to that song, they're already preparing for that wicked guitar solo. That's at the end. Yeah. And I don't want to let that person down. You know, I don't want to let them down. I want to make sure to do that as close to verbatim as I can, as far as the solo goes. Or and the same for the Dire Straits, like for the Sultans of Swing solo. Like you, these are just iconic sounds. And yes, I love it when people improvise over it. And there's only one person who we both know that I am totally fine with not playing the original solo and improvising, and that is Ed Dennis. Because Ed, whatever Ed does is the gospel, is the truth, yeah. and whatever he does absolutely is right. right. Yeah, absolutely right. But the, and the funny thing is, and you mentioned Sultan this way. Now, that is one song that, in my opinion, personal opinion here, that you could improvise over it, and it's going to sound fantastic. Yes, if you're, absolutely. If you're that style of player. If absolutely. That style of player. You know what I mean? Like, now, Steve Vine, he's not going to improv over that and make it sound good. You know what I mean? Yes. But at the same time, like, you throw the real solo on there, dude, non-music, people who are not musicians and have no idea what's going on, they're going to feel it because they're like, that's, yeah, these guys are nailing this song. Right? Yep. Exactly. And it's just, and, and the reason that I say that is just for people like me and you who are very, very like adamant about making it right. And, yeah. and that, and, and right is a definition that fluctuates a little bit. You know, we, we, we don't, it's not, it's like, we understand that we're not the person who played this, so we're not going to get it exactly right, but yeah. we owe it to the song and the songwriter and whoever wrote that part to at least get it close if we're going to, cause this is, a, I mean, music's a serious thing, man. You know, it's like, it's the kind of thing that like you, I don't know. You, it, it's like magic. We're both Harry Potter heads. It's like dark magic. It's like, you have to be very careful what you do because you don't know what it's going to create or what's going to come of it. And that's one of the things, too, about being a musician is, the, in my opinion, is one of the things is, like, like songs like, like you said, like Dalton's a Swing or, like, even some of the, uh, like, songs like, uh, oh, God, what's that song? Uh, it's uh, Grateful Dead by Touch of Grey. No, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, so those songs, like, you have, you have all the room in there to improv if you want to. And a lot of people aren't going to notice it, but there's a couple of times. A couple of small times where you where you know that part needs to be there. Yes. One, the one melody because everybody's gonna be like, better to Everybody's waiting for that part. You know what I mean? Like, so you can improv all day long, and that was one of the things I loved about, especially you mentioned Ed, dude. Like Ed, recording with Ed was fantastic. He's he's Ed he's knew the he's how it. to just jam on something. 
something and put a solo on it, but he also knew when to put something there that needed to be there, like a melody. He's tasteful. To be He's very tasteful. Very tasteful, dude. And I mean, and, and let's face it, he draws a lot of his, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he draws a lot of his, uh, his uh, style from, like, Eric Johnson, who, like, I mean, let's face it, that dude knows how to absolutely rip it, but at the same time, let's 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 put a melody in there that you're going to remember. We got we got to put something there that you're going to remember. Yeah, exactly. Like he he is a very he is a very melodic player. Like it's almost like you can hum to the to his leads, and it's exactly. It's and that's not. So he he could also improv, and it's going to sound just as good until it gets to that one part. And no matter what he does, he can improv it and make it sound fantastic and still roll into that part that you have to have there. Oh, yeah. The other day, he was like, uh, we got done with the gig, and he was like, yeah, man, it's a good thing I've been playing a lot of gigs with you guys. He says, I've almost got all your songs down. I said, well, it's time for us to start working harder then. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, once, Ed, once Ed gets us figured out, you know, I, I, don't, know, I don't know if I want to be on that side of things. I want to keep listen. If if I can keep somebody like Ed guessing, then then uh, I've done a job. You know, I've I, I, I've that's a feat in itself. Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. But the, but the but the best part about it is is even keeping Ed on his toes, he's not going to miss it. He's not going to miss a lick. Not at all. And it's so cool. Like he's Ed just on every time. Yeah, he's right there every time. I actually, I'll. Uh, I, I I don't believe I'll be, I'll be able to send it to you, but uh, I've got a whole. We started using this Mevo camera. Have you seen that thing? Huh? I haven't seen that. So this thing called a Mevo. Um, I'm not using it right now, but uh, I use it uh, the last couple of podcasts that I did or attempted to. And anyway, it's one tiny camera that's kind of like a GoPro, but you can set it up. It's like one fisheye, like a wide angle view. And you can go through that one wide angle and choose sections in it that it will like flip between those feeds. So you can get close-ups of everybody in the band and then you'll have a wide angle and you can do like, like for instance, me and Smitty or me and Adam and like, but you have individual views of each person in the band. And this is doing all this from one camera and it uses your iPhone, your phone as a monitor. So that you can choose what? where, yeah, so you can choose what, 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 like there's a bank of like nine feeds that you can choose from. It's like the Brady Bunch, man. Like wh- whoever you want to, you know, whoever you want a close up of is, is, and all this is, all this is done right from your phone. And here's the kicker. It uses your iPhone's audio input so that you can run a line straight from the mix into an adapter that plugs right into your iPhone and you would have a main mix in your video recording. Holy shit. And I know not a lot of people know what all of those words mean, but I know that you do. <laughs> so, and I know that you'll appreciate that. But dude, that is, uh, we, we, anyway, before I was going down that rant of what the Mevo is, I recorded a gig with Ed Dennis the other day. And it's just it's just a few hours of Ed just wailing, and, and I don't play leads at all when Ed's around, and he'll like even offer me. He'll be like, "You want to play a lead?" And I'm like, "Nope, <laughs> I sure don't. I want you to play all the leads, and I want to steal from you." See, that's one of the funniest things between you and Ed, though, because really, like, I don't, I don't know if I if 
I could say that one one of you is ta- is more talented than the other. But I, no, no, no. There's no there's no, no question. Listen, listen to me though. The one thing I can't say though, I can't like I said, I can't say that one of you is more talented than the other. But at the same time, I can say that I'm not sure which one of you is more humble. Nah, I mean the guitar solos because. Dude, I mean, let's face it, both of y'all, well, for, well, okay, and, and you also have to look at me. <laughs> like, you guys, both of you guys are light-year guitar players, light-years away from me. I don't but think that's true. I Dude, no, come on, stop it. But anyway, you both of you guys, like, like Ed has looked at me like, uh, we recorded one of the One Bad Apple songs, and I did this acoustic guitar solo on one of my songs that I wrote. And it, it, the only reason I recorded it is because it was a melodic thing. It was kind of like it was something that I had written a couple of years before, and I was just like, I think this would be cool. And it comes to me, and he's like, that's my favorite solo on the whole album. And I'm like, you're out of your mind, because there's nothing to it. It's just melodic. It's, you know, a little, little something. And Ed is like, you know, he'd come, he'd come to me, you know, in, in one bad apple session, he'd be like, you want to play this solo? And I'm like, no, I don't. Dude, you get off <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm telling you to do the same thing to me. You know, you you'd be like, you want to take the solo, and I'm like, no, not with you on the stage, not at all. (laughs) No, man. Like, but I I I don't. Everybody's always going to think that their stuff doesn't sound as good as somebody else's. That's I think that's human nature, but you dude you 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 have i don't think you realize how talented you are in 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 that aspect or i don't think you want to admit <laughs> which one is one is as good as the other but i don't think you realize how talented you are in that aspect man i mean like i've listened to and and granted it's a different it, you're you're a different style of musician than i am and the ed is but in your in your style, dude, that is like the the song that you sent that uh, that we put on the Sunset Grill episode that you were on that time, mm-hmm. dude. All of your fills and and leads in that shit is great. Well, now I I mean, and, well, and this isn't even going to toot the horn here, but I mean, if I look because I can't, like you and Ed have, you guys have got fast fingers, man. I can't do that shit, but. Now, when it comes to a guitar solo, if I sit with the, with GarageBand, I can write something in the course of a night and then have that solo put on there. But for me to just for for you to be like, all right, the song's in A minor, I'm gonna be like, I don't. What do you want? What am I doing? What do you want me to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I, not off the top of my head, I can't do it. Well, I I don't know, man. Like I just anyway, you guys can just be like, you guys are you guys. Ah, it's like something I wish I had. Well, and and I think that that goes back to the old adage that you always want what you don't have. Because I wish that I could be as disciplined to sit down in front of GarageBand and work out something that, like, I'm the sort of person that if I record something, I'll do, like, one take. And then I'm like, ah, I could do that again. And I'll do another take. And then it is what it is. Like, I won't sit there and woodshed it out until it's until I get it right because I, I, I but I wish that I could do that like I wish that I had that kind of discipline to to where I like I'll I will and for my solo stuff for my personal stuff I will release something that 
I'll listen to in like two years and be like, why the fuck did I ever release this? Before I'll sit there for two or three hours and and try to get it right. Yeah. But. a self-perfectionist well i mean basically i guess just if i'm doing everything by myself i know how i want it to sound now if somebody were to if you were to call me and say hey man something you what you should do here is blah, blah blah i'd be like fantastic i'm gonna do this now but if i'm doing it all by myself it's pretty much kind of like you know um you know i i guess i, I just i sit and sit with it and sit with it until i'm like okay Now, this is something that I struggle with. I wonder if you have the same thing. And I, I do you do you feel like if if you record something with someone else and they do something that you would have done differently, that you're like, man, you know, I wish I would have done this by myself because I could have gotten oh, it right. Because I'm sort of that way. In, in, and I've admitted this to, to everybody that I play music with. So this isn't news to Adam or Smitty, but I will always have that, you know, I could have, I maybe could have gotten this a little closer to what I wanted if I would have just done this by myself. Do you have any of that at all? Or, or cause I, I 100% have that. No. Okay. So yeah, sometimes, I mean, it depends, I mean, obviously, and you know, it depends on the, it depends on the song or the situation. Yeah. Um, you know, there's times, and you know what, and, and I do, this is, I may get some hate mail for this, but there's beat hole songs that I did not write at all, or even songs that I did write, but the beat holes did, and I think the songs were great the way we did them and everything, but it's just not how I envisioned them. So I will record, you know, as, as we're talking about my patience and, and stupidity on GarageBand, I'll record a version of that song the way that I envisioned it for myself. I'm not releasing it because nobody else wants to hear it that way or everybody's used to whatever the Beatles version is. But like, you'll get to like, have that. You'll get to have that closure for yourself to see if you were right. And I, and I say, see if you were right. That sounds like a bad thing, but I, but just to see, you know, just to see if you if you were validated in feeling that way is a better way to well, say it. Well, more or less. Well, okay, yeah, okay. In a way, yeah, you're right. Uh, to see if because if it's bad, I'm gonna I'm gonna abort. Obviously. Yes, but you know, I'm gonna abort the recording. But if 
I mean, for, but this, I mean, there's been a couple of tunes that I've recorded for myself. It's Ian songs, and not it's not not that Ian did anything bad. It's just it's something that I would hear differently as a guitar tone or maybe yeah. a note in the guitar solo or something like that. That it's just for me personally. I'm like uh, I. I I hear this in my head differently. So I record a version for myself, like you said, for closure. And that way, if if I feel like listening to it that way, I have it. Yes, I do that a lot with other people's songs. Like I'll record a version of their song and like I'll usually upload these to my SoundCloud just to, just so that I can like... I don't know, listen to these songs on repeat a couple times and see if, like, see if I, see if I'm right, basically. Like, I, you know, I think I like, I think I would like this better if I did it this, or if it were done this way. So I'm going to do it yeah. this way and see if I like it better. And I'll just, just, just see if I'm right. Cause I'm curious about shit like that. But I, I did that with, uh, I did that with like, a uh, couple of Bob Dylan songs and a couple of, uh, uh, Stevie Nicks song, but I, I but I've never done that with. Uh, Sound of Silence. I haven't done Sound of Silence. No, I'm saying. Do you remember the the version that I did up? Oh yeah. Oh dude, shit. Now that okay. Now I wanted, dude. I've wanted to cover that song for years and years and years. You know what I mean? As far back as I can remember. But I, you know, when I went, you can YouTube anything, Google anything these days. So I went on YouTube and Google, and I'm like, punk cover, Sound of Silence. And there's none. And No, there's a thousand of them, but in, I mean, it, it, no offense to any of those guys out there. I mean, it, but it just, none of them were what I was, were what I was envisioning. And I'm like, this is, in my opinion, at that time, I was like, these are all terrible. Dude, the way that you, you started it off with that, with that, that nice little hi-hat, hi-hat lick. Yeah. That's so sick. Man, dude, nobody, none of those punk covers were doing harmony. Nobody was, nobody was, you know what I mean? Like, like, it was, some of it like was almost like death metal, but it was like pop punk cover. And I'm like, that's not, there's no melody here. Or somebody wanted to just like do a karaoke over it. I'm like, man, I've got this idea where every verse has a different beat, but it, you know, this, I mean, you've got the harmonies for everything. Like, I didn't want to lose the feel of the original. Yes, because the, the, the magic of the original version of that song is, is the, are those beautiful harmonies. Absolutely. Dude, that was everything to me. But then, yep. like, as I was going through and trying to listen to the original versions of it, I found this original, like, it was called, like, the 3 a.m. Uh, tape or something. And it had the, this little, like, guitar picket. Like it was, you know, he just uh, he was he was playing through the guitar part and he was just picking this this lick out, and I'm like, there's a little climb up going on in there. So that so I threw that in as an octave in the punk in my punk version of it because I'm like that added an extra feel to it. Paul Simon is a very know? underrated guitar player. Oh, dude, absolutely. Very underrated they guitar player. They Yeah, like in, in his songwriting, and I mean, granted, uh, Garfunkel was a great songwriter as well, but dude, Paul Simon's all-around musicianship, songwriting, like I heard that he's a conceited guy, but I can almost 
you know, warrant that because he's fucking Paul Simon. Dude, that's one of those things, man. Like, I mean, yeah. I, like, he's, okay, so there's two, I've always looked at this, there's two different definite definitions of a rock star. You've got your asshole rock star who, um, uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody right now. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I'm not coming up You're with You're Tommy anything. Lee's yeah. of the world? Uh, yeah. Maybe not. Like, I'm, I'm trying to, like, there's a, you have, okay, you have your rock star, um, shit, I just had somebody and I just lost it. Um, okay, all right, you have your rock star, uh, the, 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 like the singer from Good Charlotte. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Badass. He's like, whatever, and he's a total douche. But then you also have, um, you also have, uh, like, like, uh, Liam Gallagher from Oasis. Yes. Now, he's a total douche, too. And we all know he's a douche, and, uh, you know, I mean, whatever, but, like, you look at. If you look at the guy from Good Charlotte, you're like, dude, what an asshole, fucking rock star. But you see Liam Gallagher walk up, you're like, dude, this guy's a total rock star. Like, there's a difference. Yeah, like, Liam Gallagher owns it, or it seems like he was presented with it, and he knew, he was like, yeah, I get it. I know, I knew what you guys know now years ago. And this guy from Good Charlotte seems like, oh, well, this, so this is what I'm supposed to look like? Yeah. So this is how well, I'm supposed but, to act? Like, okay, but maybe Good Charlotte might have been. Uh, no, but you're, you're absolutely right. But maybe Good Charlotte might have been like the, 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 the uh, like a bad reference. I'm trying to think of somebody like uh, <laughs> Good Charlotte. You know what? Good Charlotte was one of my favorite bands at one point in my life. But just, just before I knew better, you know, I was talking about. The first two albums I thought were amazing. And then I eventually realized how bad that album was. <laughs> well, well, I I was the same way with Creed, man. Like I I had Creed before they got played out, you know, before the world got sick of them, and I, that was one of my favorite bands. And I go so back I'll and admit this. I, I I'll admit this: the first Creed album I owned and thought was really good. Mark Tremonti is now, a great guitar player. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you take some of the songs and you take the uh, uh, the Eddie Vedder voice off of them, like their song one, I thought it was a fantastic song back then. Yeah, and you know, I said, I said to uh, to Smitty once. And Smitty loves Pearl Jam. He's a huge Pearl Jam fan. And I was talking about Creed, and I was like, man, I really like Creed until I realized that he was just Eddie Vedder. Because not a lot of people realize how similar Scott Stapp and Eddie Vedder's voices are. And like I, I believe that if something were to happen to Eddie Vedder, that Scott Stapp could probably take his place in Pearl Jam, and there wouldn't be a lot of difference vocally. There's a lot of people that would not notice the difference. Yes. I, in my opinion, personal opinion. But, yeah, I, I mean, I just. Scott Stapp's a douchebag, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but listen, if you no, think about like those those melodic radio, huh? I'm sorry. Those 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 uh those. If you think about those melodic guitar riffs, like in higher, 
which was a corny song when it even when it came out, but I was too young to know. Like, yeah. I think about those riffs. Like, those are some pretty mon- like learning how to play those guitar riffs when I was a uh, like a year one guitar player. Like, I think boosted my abilities a little earlier than they should have been because some of those guitars guitar licks were kind of intricate and. As a kid who was like, oh, this is cool, so this is all he's doing? Okay, so this sounds good. Has sort of altered a lot of the way that I, uh, no pun intended, alter, bridge. (laughs) No pun intended. Has sort of altered how I play guitar now. So, like, I wonder what my guitar playing would sound like had it not been for Creed and Mark Tremonti. Well, and see, and that's a lot, that's, again, that's a lot to do with, like, those, those old, like, your old, um, influences. I mean, uh, like I said, like, I mean, I'm, you know me, I'm all punk rock, you know, but I, you know, I love all kinds of other stuff. But, dude, I mean, before the punk rock, dude, I was, I was learning how to play, like, almost every Metallica riff back in the day, you know what I mean? So, Which is a feat in itself. Yeah, I mean, and, but, and, and, and obviously, you know, we're talking early Metallica. Oh yeah, like master yeah, puppets. And, and speaking of which, did you see that thing that I shared the other day with the uh, with the master of puppets on top of uh, the Macarena? God, dude, I fell out. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I, I don't know if I can accept this or not, but I'm dying right now. okay? So what's funny? I'm glad I'm talking to you about this because you you fuck around with the Garage Band. Can you imagine the hours of editing that took? Dude, I like I don't I just like I, Jesus. The, the amount of editing, the amount of patience, like the, like the, like not to mention like who heard it before they did it. Yeah, like what brain did that come from? Puppetson was like, dude, you can put the macaroni. <laughs> <in." laughs> that has you know what I really want to think, and this is a Daryl High thought. You know Daryl High, Why the drummer. He plays drums with myself and Porkchop uh, every now and again. Um, okay. But uh, this is a Daryl High thought. He's like, man, you know, I bet they were just walking out of a bar, and one bar had Master of Puppets on, and the next bar had the Macarena on, and they were just like, huh, I bet that'll work. He's <laughs> <laughs> so, <is> probably right. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't think of anybody in their right mind going, uh, okay, so what two songs can we mix together? Like, that this was a planned thing. Dude, I'm going to tell you the truth, man. Like, of all those, I still, to this day, no matter what, I still think the ACDC at Bee Gees mix was the best one that could ever. <laughs> but I could say, like, literally, I could almost, like, really put that on, put that on in my deep and just drive and listen to it all day. Like, it fits so well. <laughs> Dude, it's so funny how how similar songs are. Like people who don't play music don't realize that uh, there you could you could you could get away with four chords and so many songs. Oh yeah, Dude, so we, many songs are the yeah, same. Did you see the, the Nirvana and George Michael? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the Careless Whisper, no, or, or no, not a uh, was it Careless Whisper? No, 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 It wasn't, no, it wasn't, it wasn't even George Michaels. Was it, uh, damn it, uh, no, it was, uh, never gonna give you, uh. Oh, yeah, Rick Astley. 
Oh, yeah. I did see that. I saw somebody else posted this thing, too, where they did Nirvana, but all with major chords instead of minor chords. Oh, yeah, dude. That was totally weird. So fucking weird. Like, it ruined my life. Because <laughs> I really like Nirvana. Like, I remember, I remember my cousin was really into, like, Rush and Faith No More and stuff like that. And I was really into, like, Nirvana and grunge and, like, Soundgarden. And I liked all of those bands except for Pearl Jam for some reason. I, I never really got into Pearl Jam. But uh, I don't know. I just remember having that conversation with my cousin about Nirvana. And he was like, dude, they wouldn't even be famous if he didn't die. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious, man. Yeah, you know, it's funny, though, man. I, I have to say that I there's... There's a couple of bands I feel like that, though. Like, they wouldn't have been as famous as they were had they not died. Yeah, I mean... But now, but at the same time, though, um, I mean, Nirvana had the cred, though. Like, I mean, everybody would love Nirvana when they were out. So you can't... You couldn't necessarily put that on them then. But, like, uh... And, dude, I'm gonna get a lot of hate mail for this one. Uh Uh-oh. Um... Yeah, Sublime. I love Sublime. I love Sublime. I think they're. I think they're amazing. I think. I mean, I know what they did for the punk rock, uh, reggae. You know that whole uh, the ska, all that. I know what they did for all that. But dude, like, I I know they had a big following beforehand. But that guy died, and then their famous album came out. Yeah, I've I've being, being being the guy being one of the guys who grew up when who was coming up and music was important to me when that album came out. I didn't know that he died. I didn't know that he had died until the third single had came. Well, as far as I had known, he died right before the single of Wrong Way came out, and then it was everywhere. Yeah, like that's, and and I I, I don't, if you get hate mail, they can send it to me too, because I, I, I 100% concur. I never, I never cared much for Sublime. I never cared much for reggae, man. Like I'm not a big reggae guy. I, I, uh. I, I, and I, I don't mean any, I don't mean any offense at all. Like some of my best friends or, 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 or best, I say best friends. Some of, some people I know really well. I used to play music with Jeremy from Treehouse and Treehouse is a great band. And, uh, and a punk band with him for like a month. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, we, uh, uh, you, you may have been around back in those days when I, it was, uh, this, this chick named Robin Dees. Do you remember Robin D? Well, it was me, uh, my brother Kerry, who worked at Starbucks with me, who you probably have never met. Uh, Robin, Jeremy, and John played drums for us. John Powell and we played at uh and we played upstairs at Pirates Cove all the time. And uh, now and and Jeremy was doing like Doors covers and things back then, and then he went on the reggae the reggae train, and, and that's been really good for him, and I'm super stoked and proud of him for that. 
but outside of treehouse and a couple of like like a couple of old school heads like Marley and Tosh and Cliff and those reggae guys, I never cared for reggae and especially Sublime. Like Sublime just seemed like a poser crowd to me. Absolutely. And and I and I completely respect every single fan of his. Like I get it. I totally get the Elvis craze. Just not my thing, personally, not my thing. Same here, man. I, I could do without Elvis. Now, when it comes to, and I used to feel that way about the Beatles, but then eventually I ended up growing into the. Whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> in, in my early days, in my early days, I'm going to admit. I, I, I now, in my early days I liked the Beatles. Um, I want to hold your hand and uh, Adam Justice said the same exact thing to me. Really? Yes, he said in the early days. He said he said until he met me that he thought of the Beatles as saw her standing there. I want to hold your hand. Eight days a week, help. He's like that was his Beatles, and then I'm like, bro. But even then, though, like, for me, like, I, like because I grew up as a doo-wop guy. My dad was a 50s master. I was a 50s doo-wop master. Nothing in the world wrong with Motown. So, no, no, you're absolutely right. But, I mean, I was loving doo-wop. And, and, but the Beatles, and their songs to me at that time, like I said, in my early days, they were good tunes. But I was like, there's nothing, there's nothing fantastic about this. Like, what, is, what stands out about this? Like, yeah, what what separates these guys from a different from another band? Exactly, but then, and I'm going to be honest with you, dude. Like I, my my oldest brother, I was hanging out at his house one night, man, and he was trying so hard. He's like, you you don't like the Beatles? I'm like, I never said I didn't like the Beatles. And he's like, dude, I've got this Paul McCartney video, this live video, and he showed. We had to sit there and watch the whole Paul McCartney video, live video, and I didn't I didn't want to. I didn't enjoy it at the Oh, yeah. But, you know what I mean? You know, when, if you tell somebody that you're not into a band and they, they force you to listen to it, you're like, I hate this band. Yeah, it's but not going to end well. So, like, we listened, like, I watched that video and, you know, it was just, it, like, time went on and eventually it came to a point, like, one day I realized that Eleanor Rigby was stuck in my head. Now, granted, not that I ever disliked that song, but I was, you know, again, I'm like, it's a good tune, whatever. It's, it's a tune. But the song got stuck in my head. I'm like, man, I need to let me download some Beatles real quick. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get like the Eleanor Rigby yeah. vibe. So I got I got the uh, like the Beatles the, that thing that Michael Jackson released, like the Beatles one or whatever. That was the first Beatles album that I got. Beatles one, the oh, red. Really? Yes, the red album with the yellow one. Yeah, that's the first Beatles. That's what got me on the Beatles, man. Well, I, well, shit, dude. Seriously, like, I got that, 
and I popped it on, and I, like I made like I mean, what did it take like three CDs to make or something like that? Like it was yeah. Like, so I'll put, I put it in, and I just wanted to listen to Eleanor Rigby. That's really all I wanted to do. But I kept forgetting to hit the back, to hit the you know the back button to listen to it again to the next song to start. I don't remember what song it was, but I caught myself. I had to drive the Loris one night. And I just didn't press anything. Like, I just let it go. And next thing you know, dude, like, I had Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds stuck in my head and, like, other songs. I just started getting more stuck in my head. And I'm like, yes, this is so good. Why is it stuck in my head? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, it's stuck in my head because I am feeling this right now. That's what it did to people. That's what the Beatles did to people. Imagine before the world knew that it existed and before you had a brother to say, sit down and watch this thing when it was new and the world experienced that for the first time. Well, now, okay. One little tiny break off there. It wasn't necessarily my brother. My brother annoyed me to the point where I was like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted to hate them. Yeah. Ian was a huge Beatles Ian and a lot of his friends, well, a lot of our friends, they're all huge Beatles fans, you know, and I'm just like, I I don't get it. Like, I get it. These are good tunes, but what, what's miraculous about them? But eventually, like, like I said, listen to that Beatles one, I'm like, this is it. I get it. I fucking, like, this, like these guys are sitting around. Like just like like I'm listening to songs and I'm like this is the most random thought that could have ever been put into a song, but they did it and it made it fit and it's perfect. Those four guys changed the course of music. Like it, it, they 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 changed they they rewrote the history of music in the future. You know, like they yeah. they had no idea when they started. But it's personal opinion, I don't think that they would have been able to do it had it not been for I saw her standing there. I want to hold your hand. Oh, 100%. Like, the the world wouldn't have ever known who Justin Bieber was if it weren't for baby, baby, oh, baby, oh, baby, baby, or whatever the fuck it was. And, wow, I'm, I totally just realized that I'm comparing Justin Bieber to, to, to the Beatles, and I'm not at all doing that. But I'm just saying that it takes it takes something catchy and cliche to get people's attention sometimes. But you know, you want to know something that's funny though. What's even funnier about it? And this is the big. This is one of those big arguments that everybody always had back in the day. You know what helped open my mind to the Beatles, the, to the to the to the to the the post doo-wop Beatles? What would that be? from the Beach Boys. Dude, I have that on vinyl. Uh, yeah, so do I. I mean, let's face it. I mean, well, for me, because like, I mean, like I said, dude, I, I'm a doo-wop guy. You give me Dion all day, you know, Buddy Holly, I'll all day long, and that's what I wanted. And, and that's what, the Beach Boys were the were the epitome of you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, but then Do Pet Sounds was just such an experimental album, and let's face it, one of the top albums of all time. In my Easily. Opinion. 
Oh, no, I was just saying easily. Yeah, easily one of the oh, best no, albums I, all time. I thought you said wait. Oh, no, no, no. Pet Sounds is one of the best albums, personally, in my opinion, of all time. And I was like, well, you know, if... It was, you know, I started getting into the Beatles a little bit more, and it was like, you know what? If the Beatles could go from what they were, if the Beach Boys could go from what they were into Pet Sounds, and Pet Sounds is that amazing, then... Why am I so hung up on the beats on the Beatles weird music not being doo-wop anymore? That's a really good that's a really good uh way to work to get into that in your head. For me, man, that, that's exactly what it was. I was like, man, I can accept uh God like God only knows would not be what I want to listen to if I want to listen to uh, you know, uh, Surfing USA. Yes. But at the same time, Eleanor Rigby's not what I'm going to want to listen to if I want to listen to I Saw Her Standing There. Exactly. And I, I I love those middle Beatles albums where they're transitioning into that other sound. Like Rubber Soul and Revolver are my favorite albums, I think. Was Rubber Soul, I did, and I'm bad, just because I'm bad with albums, I started doing the whole, like, torrent thing. You yeah, know? yeah, oh, like, same, okay, same here. Put everything. But was Rubber Soul, was that the one that started with Taxman? I think, was Taxman on White Album? I don't know. Let's, uh, let's, let's, bring, let's bring Google into this. I've got Revolver next to me, but it would be easier for me to just, just search it than, uh, <laughs> than, to, than to go grab the album. But I know that Ian was really huge on Rubber Soul, and it was... Taxman's own revolver. My, uh, uh, yeah, that revolver. revolver. Yep. For some reason, I thought it was Rubber Soul. It seems like I remember Ian like being steady listening to Rubber Soul for a little while on in, 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 uh, in the old beat hole van, and uh, drawing a lot of inspiration from that for some beat hole songs. Well, I know that Ian does. I've just seen a face, and I've just seen a face is on that one. Ah, uh, yes. Uh. Norwegian Wood, Nowhere Man, the word girl. I'm looking through you and you're still there. Oh, man. Those Beatles deep cuts were so good. Back in those days, I was so much of a, uh, like I said, like I want to hold your hand. Um, Do you remember a song from them called That Girl? Oh, yeah. That Girl. Good. Like that was uh, uh, this boy. This boy. No, no, that's right. That's right. This boy. Yeah. Yeah. That song was covered by a punk band, like a pop punk band, like that nobody's ever heard of. And I, that was the first song. That was one of the first times that somebody was like, "It's a Beatles song," and I'm like, "What?" And then I'm like, "Give me a beat. Give me the Beatles first. And I'm like, "Oh, okay. The Beatles is better." Okay. <laughs> That one was on Meet the Beatles, which I also have on vinyl. Joey Bellamy actually gave me a nice little stack of vinyls. I just had I just had Waffle House with Marshall and Joey Bellamy a while ago. I told them that I was going to be talking to you, and uh, I, they may or may not have told me to tell you hey, but I'm going to tell you hey anyway from Joey and Marshall. <laughs> but what's up, Marshall? What's up, Joey? <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, Joey gave me a stack of records, and amongst those were Meet the Beatles, uh, Help, 
is on is is in there. Like there's a lot of like really good, and there's no mono. They're they're stereo cuts, but they're still original cuts, original presses. Dude, I have a couple of. Uh, I have the Beatles um, that I, I went to. We went uh, a couple of years ago. Me and Tammy went to uh, Amish country, uh, uh, kind of about an hour away from here. They yeah. went to an antique store, and I got um, the Beatles. 1967 and 1970 and 1962. Oh, the blue album and the red album? Yeah, the blue album and the red album. Nice. On vinyl for five bucks a piece. What? Five bucks a piece. Yeah, I got, I got. They're in perfect condition. Dude, how about this? I've got both of those albums on eight track, bro. (laughs) (laughs) How awesome is that? I have them on vinyl too, but I, but I, uh, but yeah, I, I've almost got my Beatles collection complete. The only thing that I am missing is Rubber Soul, actually. Um, but I was, ho- I, I got like on eBay once. I was like, oh shit! So for a hundred and thirty bucks, I can get this box of eight tracks for like, uh, shit. What was it? Uh, like a hundred and. 15 8 tracks or something like that and I got them off of eBay and I didn't check the shipping so it ended up being like 200 bucks and I was already committed and I was like I had to pay or this dude was going to give me bad feedback on eBay which obviously you know is the end of the world (laughs) so I got this giant box of 8 tracks for like a couple hundred bucks expecting okay so I'll just get ahead of the game you know because vinyl's making a comeback surely Eight tracks will be making a comeback soon, and I'll be sitting on a nice little pile that I make and make some dollars off of. And then Radiohead goes and releases OK Computer on vinyl and cassette. They fucking skip the eight track, man. They skip the eight track, and that's the only reason I bought all these eight tracks is so I could be ahead of the game. And they just skipped over. Damn. There's no eight tracks, man. No love for the eight tracks. I got a shitload of them. Okay, Anybody's gonna show any love to the eight tracks. He said, "Damn, that sucks." Yeah, I, guys, like I like I don't like I anywhere I ever go, man. I I find vinyl everywhere, and I can find cassette tapes of anything. Man, the old the old eight tracks, man. They're they're kind of eight tracks are gonna be kind of like laser disc. Do you remember laser disc? Oh, dude, dude, I dude. Uh, well, I I I'd not be in. Had uh, the Back of the Future trilogy on Laserdisc. Nobody has Laserdisc. They're like Sega Dreamcasts. Yeah. <laughs> Does Ian have a Dreamcast too? <laughs> no, I, I don't have a Dreamcast, but no, I I I, I remember the Dreamcast. So that's hilarious that you referenced that. That's hilarious. It's like the the sort of things that people are like that existed. Like that wasn't like a a, a, a Mandela effect. Like that that actually exactly. that actually existed. Like yeah, the Dreamcast was a thing. Laserdisc was a thing. Like the like those HD videos that were before DVDs. Like it was called like a HD disc or or something like that. That's what, that's what Ian had. Ian had a well. They were called Laserdisc, but it was before Back in the Future was ever released on DVD. He got Laserdisc. They were obviously there were many Laserdisc, but yeah, um, it was. They kind of look like a GameCube game. Yeah, it was. It was so weird, man. But um, 
Yeah, laser disc, man. That, laser you were rich if you had a laser disc player back in the day. <laughs> yeah. Or, the, you know what? The same thing can go for reel-to-reel. There's not a whole lot of reel-to-reels out there anymore you know, on audio. Yeah, that's right about that, man. And you know what, dude? Like, I don't know like, as much you know. Like, we talked earlier about how much patience I have to sit with yes, the drum beat and stuff like absolutely. that. Dude, I don't know that I would. I, I would love, love, love to record some real, real stuff, but I don't know if I'd have the patience to learn that. Yeah, that's how to make that to, to get those tones that they had back then to the real, to real recordings. Yeah, and I, I think that Ed has the technology to do that. If I'm not mistaken, uh, dude, if I'm not mistaken, like it's sitting to the left of him in the studio. Yes, I'm almost positive that he does all that. And uh, or he can do all that, but yeah, just the to where if you fuck something up, it's all over. You know, you you gotta. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's just. I don't know. If, that warm sound, man. That warm, thick, full sound of a real, real is so much different than digital shit. Today. Oh, it's it's yeah, it's so much better. You can't beat that stuff. You can't beat anything the way that it used to be, whether it be mu- music or movies or anything there's nothing like it used to be yeah it's a damn shame and just like the world movies too man like when we used to if they used to record on used to record on like yeah record on film like the the pictures were i mean and granted i i get that like now you it looks like you're looking through a you know a, a clear window now when you're looking at movies but man the yeah warm picture colors and stuff that they used to get back in the day yeah, I, and I'll look at things that I watched when I was a kid, like um, because of the Jurassic Park coming out, or the new oh, the, yeah. the new Jurassic World or whatever. Like Jurassic Park was the first movie I saw in the theaters, and I, I've always been obsessed with dinosaurs. I wanted to be a paleontologist when I was a kid, and absolutely, and like watching Jurassic Park as a kid, I'm like, oh my god, that dinosaur is real. It's gonna eat those people. And I watch it now, and I'm like, wow, we have come a long way in the matter of uh, filmmaking. Because, like, you look at those dinosaurs now, and it's just like, oh, so I can tell that it's animatronic. And and I don't know, like, it's just back then, I was like, holy, or even, like, the Star Wars stuff. Me and Seth spent a whole episode almost talking about Star Wars. The things that they accomplished. I was just going to say Star Wars, man. I actually have, I have a really, really cool DVD set. I have a DVD set that shows, and well, you, it's a, it, each, each movie, it's the original trilogy. It's, um, it's two discs on each movie. And the one disc has, like, the version that everybody knows now. But the first disc, the other disc, like, the secondary disc, is the original theatrical no there's no like no uh, digital reanimation no <laughs> new um you know mixing or anything yeah dude you see a you see a starship fly through the through the through the galaxy and you're seeing like the different little like palettes around it because the TVs now are nicer so therefore you can see all of the terribleness Oh yeah, just and like all the digital in- imagery that's in there, whatever it is that they were doing at the time. And dude, I 
hands down. Now, if I if I want to catch storylines, I'll watch the newer remastered version. Oh yeah. Nine times out of ten, if I'm going to watch a new hope, I'm going to be watching Star Wars that did not have a title to it, or Empire Strikes Back, like the original. I love watching those. I told Seth that the first time I watched them were all on VHS, and they were original VHS, like like when they were released in the three-pack or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was excited that I at least got to watch them on VHS for the first time. Yes. But, yeah. Absolutely. I, uh, I 100%, as I told him, and, and the listeners already know, I was not a Star Wars guy at all. As a matter of fact, I argued Harry Potter over Star Wars, and I still like Harry Potter better, you know. But but I'm I, I'm that was my youth, you know. That was the thing that I got into as a kid and held on to until I grew up, you know. That like oh yeah, dude. very oh, similar yeah. to the Jurassic Parks. One hundred percent I mean, um, but yeah, it's like. Uh, I don't know. I, I I totally changed my mind. I changed my mind about Star Wars. And I was like, okay, this isn't. This it really is a good story. Yes. But you know, it's, you know, you're gonna know something funny. But there's something absolutely hilarious. You know how like popular and everybody's always loved Princess Leia. Oh yeah. I've I've always known that love. I always have, and you know every, that everybody loves Princess Leia, and you know. But it was so funny because I watched Star Wars as a little kid, as like, you know what I mean, a child. So as I grew up and the newer, the, the prequel trilogy came out, you know, I, I was remembering people talking about Princess Leia. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's like Carrie Fisher, she's, she's cute, whatever. You know, yeah. Or whatever. And then, <laughs> dude, and then finally I was like, okay, it's time for me to get all the get all the movies. I'm going to get all six of them at that time, you know, when the prequel trilogy came out. Yeah. Quentin got them, dude. And I, and I went back and I watched New Hope, dude. <laughs> I think it was like 20 minutes into the movie. I was like, I am 100% in love. I want to get married right now to Princess Leia. And that is all that life needs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, man. And I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was, man. But like I said, I knew who Carrie Fisher was. And I knew, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But it was just for some reason, it didn't hit me until I watched it again when I was in my 20s. And I was just like, Princess Leia is life. So when you watched it for the first time, you didn't really get it as much as you did when you were when you grew up, or was that just the Princess Leia part? Well, no, I mean it was it was I was just I was a little kid. I mean, you know what I mean. I get you. I get you. Like I want to say that if I'm not mistaken, like uh, well, I know the first one came out before I was born. Empire came out when I was little. Return of the Jedi. Like, I watched on VHS at home, like, when it came out or something. You know yeah. what I mean? So I watched the Star Wars trilogy as a little kid. And, but at the same time, like I said, like, I mean, I knew I knew Carrie Fisher from a lot of things. Like, she was in, you know, uh, in uh, yeah, The Burbs, you know, and she was yep. in, um, wait a minute, was she in? Yeah, she was in The Burbs, right? I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm assuming Tom I trust you. Let's, let's see. So, yes, but 
I knew Carrie Fisher, and I was just like, yeah, you know, whatever. And then, you know, growing up in the 90s, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, Carrie Fisher, you know, she's awesome, whatever. She's, she's cute. But then when I saw Prince play it, I'm just like, like in my 20s, I was like, okay, okay, I got it. I, I got it. I want to get married right now. <laughs> See, for me, I know I don't know if you remember this movie, and I don't even remember this girl's name, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to find it now. Do you remember the movie Ladybugs, the Rodney Dangerfield movie? Dude, are you talking about the girl that Jonathan Brandis fell in love with? Because I was, I was at a yes. girl, Yes, yes, that girl. Uh, Jennifer, Jennifer Swanson. Julie Benson. Uh, what was her name? Is it Julie Benson? Dude, I'm t- was it Julie? Or in the movie, her name was so Julie Benson. Jackie Harry, her name is. Oh, no, 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 no. Not Jackie Harry. Never mind. I was going to say, you talking That's about her. Jackie, you were in love with that chick? Which I'm not hating on that either. No, let's see. Bess, was her name Bess Eileen Graff? Was that her name? No. All right, um, I got to open the computer now. We're talking about Ladybug. That's I love that movie. Kimberly Mullen, Here. Vanessa Shaw. Yes, Kimberly Mullen. Vanessa Shaw. That was the Shaw, one yeah. who was in Hocus Pocus, Eyes Wide mm-hmm. Shut, The Hills Have Eyes. Oh, my goodness. Look at the filmography. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe, I could be wrong, but it is a girl I used to get her mixed up with. Was she in 40, uh, no, um, was she in, uh. 40 days and 40 nights? Yes, she was. Josh uh, Hartnett. Yeah, she was the, the ex-girlfriend, the bitch ex-girlfriend, right? Yes, Nicole. Yep. Yeah, dude. I, yep. I, okay, I got that open up now. Dude, that was sorry. a really, really underrated movie. A lot of good cast in that, too. Who, what, what movie were we talking about? 40 days and 40 nights. Man, I saw that in a theater, and really, like, she was, well, no, nah, there was there was a lot of good cast in that movie. But that's that's probably been the last time I saw that movie during the theater. Oh, but man. I do remember Vanessa Shaw being the girl, and I was like, because she was, like, she went and, like, tried to seduce him on the, on the 39th night or something, and I was like, this is the moment I've been waiting for forever. Oh, um, yes, dude. Dude, 100%. She's the girl. She was the first one where I was like, okay, yeah, like, like, all right. So just being, just being like uh, a weird kid growing up in Bennettsville, South Carolina with a lot of like older cousins and uncles and shit that like to make fun of people who want to have long hair and earrings and such to finally like, like see that girl and like feel that thing and just be like, okay, so this is it. So it's like, listen oh, here, look at this, look at this, Dad. I like this girl. <laughs> look at this. Now you stop, damn, you stop picking on me. So I got an earring and I want to have long hair. Damn it, just leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. It was like the, for the first time as a kid, I was like validated in like, okay, so, so what they're saying to me is not like like so I don't have to be a, a, a weirdo or whatever. <laughs> So I like this girl. Let me tell you what, man. You know who my love was back then, though. I mean, now you're right, though. You're right, dude. Like, I saw Ladybugs, and I was like, that girl is fantastic. But, dude, my love, and it it, it came later in years. But do you remember the show Party of Five? Uh, not like 
It was a 90s show. It was a weird 90s show, like weird, like family 90s show. Yeah. Um, the girl, her name is, I, I, I think it's pronounced Lacey Shepard. She Did you did you see the movie Mean Girls? I did not. Damn it. I did not. You saw not another, did you see Not Another Teen Movie? Not Another Teen Movie I saw. Okay, I'm looking at this girl now. So yeah, I sort of. Wow, she's hot. She's like the. Uh, she was. I think in that in that movie, she was like the odd girl. Like they kept they kept trying to like uh, the dude kept wanting to write her a letter and. Um. Damn it! I'm trying to think now. It's been forever since I've seen that movie. At the end of it, he's he's like, you want to like you know hang out or something? And she was like, you think I'm just gonna write? You're gonna write me a letter and I'm gonna. Bang you? She's like, no. She's like, I'm gonna give you a hand job, <laughs> dude. I like, it's funny. Like the girl was so she was an idiot. That she was an idiot, and and the other stuff that she's been in, dude. But that girl, she's been she was the love of my life from the. She looks a lot like Jennifer Love Hewitt, who actually was also in Party of Five. Exactly, dude. Yeah. Well, was Jennifer Love Hewitt in Party of Five? Or maybe no, a Nev Campbell for sure. Where did I see Jennifer Love Hewitt's name just now? Jennifer, okay, so the girl that this girl plays, okay, not another teen movie. The, the role that this girl plays is making fun of Jennifer Love Hewitt from uh, uh, Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, so it's saying Jennifer Love Hewitt and Scott Wolf in Party of Five, 1994. Weird. I don't remember Jennifer Love Hewitt being in there, although I would love yeah, she was Sarah Reeves, whoever that person was. She must have just been like as somebody in an episode or two or something like that. No, nah, hundred one episodes, ninety five to ninety nine. Huh? Wow. Claudia Selinger. That's your girl, who looks a lot like they look a lot alike. Like they could be totally related. They would like I would take them as twins, even. Absolutely, be related. I, I, I always would admit that, but yeah. That but that's 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 beside that. the point. Huh? That's beside the point. Whether they're they're both very hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I would like I would knock one down to get to the other. You know. Yeah. <laughs> dude, if Jennifer, dude, if Jennifer Love you would came and sat down next to me, I'd be like, okay. Okay, here it is. <laughs> well, I I also had that from Melissa Joan Hart because because of Clarissa explains it all. <laughs> Clarissa explains it all. Yeah, like or and also the uh, the uh, shit the weird girl from Roseanne, the friend. The Brit. Wait, what? Oh yeah, that's right. The friend, like, uh, yeah, weird. But, but, see, now we're just going to go talking about girls from, from sitcoms. <laughs> but, Brother Zach, we are at an hour and 58 minutes. Can you believe yeah. we've talked for that long? <laughs> I guess that's what happens when you get a couple of buddies together. That's what happens when you get a couple of buddies together. Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to. Uh, don't want to keep you too much longer. But I will ask that I ask in every episode for the for anybody who I have as a guest. 
Is there anything that you think that the listeners of this podcast should watch or listen to that they normally would not watch or listen to otherwise? And that can be anything, movies, television shows, uh, YouTube video, anything. Okay. Um, well, if you haven't seen Super Troopers 2. <laughs> oh, I haven't. Um, I mean, I, it's obviously it's not as good as the first one, but I will say that I was very, very pleased with Super Troopers 2. If anybody out there is, like, concerned about it's been so long since the first one, it doesn't matter. Watch it. Dude, those Broken Lizard guys are great. Absolutely, dude. I, really, like, the intro to that movie messed me up. I was like, what are they doing? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, oh. And that movie was fantastic, in my personal opinion. I might watch that on. I, I might just just buy that on PlayStation and watch it as soon as we're done with this. I'm telling you, dude. Like, really? Like, I wanted to see it in the theater, and I, and I meant to, but I just kept forgetting. And then I saw that it was available on Vudu, and it's on Vudu for 15 bucks. I'll do that because I got a Vudu thing on my. Uh, okay. Yeah. That's great. Anything else? The only thing I can think of, I'm going to throw a little plug out there. I'm uh, so I'm going to start a jingle company. Yes, we were actually we actually a, talked about going over that. Well, basically, I'm like I got a like I uh, I've, I've done a couple of jingles for some uh, local businesses, and uh, I'm going to try to actually start something with it. Um, if somebody wants a jingle for their local business, and, and when I say local, like I'm in Ohio, but if you're in Myrtle Beach and you want a jingle, uh, hit me up. I, like, I mean, whatever. You know. No, you're still a local guy here. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, anywhere, though. Like, I did the most recent jingle I've done is for somebody who is in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, he has a, like, he's got, like, a, a he's got a vape, a, he does a vape company. He makes his own vape syrup. Yeah. Um. So the Poser Vape Syrup, if anybody's looking for it, good stuff, check them out. You know, a little shameless plug there for them. But How do you spell uh, that? Do what? How do you spell that? Oh, Poser, P-O-S-E-R. Poser, Poser Vape. Vape Syrup. That's the most recent jingle that I've done, actually. Uh, but even on top of that, though, like Adam for Surfwater and Surf Signs and Designs asked me to do hold music. For if you call in to surf sign, dude, that's genius. Or if you call to surf water, and they put you on hold. You're going to listen to music that I that I recorded and put in there. So you've already done that. Yeah, absolutely, dude. That's great. Done. I didn't know that. Even it's even me talking. Like I, you know, thank you for calling surf water. Your call is important to us. Please remain on the line. You know the whole. Dude, I was listening to the I hadn't listened to the Surfwater thing yet, but I definitely heard the vape thing and I was like, dude, you got a good speaking voice. Like I knew you had a good singing voice, but like you you have a really good speaking voice as well. Uh, that, I appreciate that. Thank you. That's actually the very first time I've ever really done anything like that. But I'm actually um I'm creating a page, and I'm going to – I'm actually really going to try to make business out of this. I'm working – I'm, I'm going to down on the uh, on the name 
of the business. But basically what I'm going to try to do is if you have a company and you want a single, um, I have a, like a, not an application, but like uh, questions like uh, what style of music do you want? Um, do you want talking or singing? What are key points that you want said in your commercial? Um, are there any warnings that need to be said? You know, that sort of stuff. Um, basically, and the way I'm going to start this out is uh, I'm going to do $100 a jingle. If you want a jingle, it's going to be $100, um, and I will, you know, do, do whatever I can to make it right. And then at that point, once the jingle has been created, if there's any updates in the vocal that you want, um, I, can, I can get that done too. Like say, say you want a jingle for your business right now, and it's just saying, hey, um, come see us. We have what you need here at blah, blah, blah. You know, that'll be your jingle. Um, but then say you have a, a sale for the holidays. Yes. You know, then you can you can hit me up, and for an extra twenty five dollars, I will um, I'll, I'll I'll take the same music that I've done and update the vocals on it. You know, have you thought about have you thought about your family during Christmas time? We have five one one free blah blah blah. So that's that's um, pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and it's. It's uh, it's something I really uh, it, I kind of seem to have a knack for it. I've done um, well. I did that one jingle for Broadway at the Beach. Me, Adam, and uh, oh my God, I can't think of his name right now. And I was just talking to him the other day. Um, Paul Paul Inman. It was me, Adam. Oh yeah, yeah. We did a uh, we did that jingle for, uh, and we actually won. The jingle for uh, the jingle contest for Broadway at the Beach, and they were going to have us go into the studio. Uh, we didn't get into the studio because it's around the time that they wanted us to get in there. The time that my daughter was born, so I didn't, you know, we didn't get to actually re-record it. But I still have the original copy of it. Um, I've done that. I got a buddy who has uh, he does a soccer page uh, for this team that he really likes. I don't know anything about soccer, but he said he wanted a no effect song, a no effect style song for his. Uh, thing yeah so i wrote something up for him you know and put it together but um and then like you said you heard the poser vape thing that guy said he wanted a ska song um i did that for him and then adam he asked me to write hold music for Surfwater. so my immediate thought was jazz elevator music yeah elevator music so i took a beat hole song and i made it jazzy sounding and I, I, I did the whole, like I said, I did the whole, like, thank you for calling Surfwater, you know, your call is important to us, please remain on the line, some of you, you know what I mean, it's something like that, but regardless, though, hold music, jingle, I can do, you know, I can, I can put a hook on it, I can just talk and say, we offer blah, 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 $100 a jingle, um, we keep that music, and um, I'll update the vocals for sales and holidays and whatever. Twenty five bucks an update. That's really clever, man. I mean, like, I don't see anybody having any issue with paying that. Like, and I mean, because it's basically something that you would be doing for fun anyway, you know. Absolutely, I and mean, it's it's absolutely fun. Like I said, that dive with the soccer thing. Like, I know nothing about soccer. But, Same here, man. I'm right there with you. I love sports, yeah, but I mean, soccer is just not my thing. 
Yeah, well, I mean, but nothing against him in the slightest. Yeah, he, absolutely. He had the show, and he was like, he basically told me, he's like, it's going to be a late night beer drinking, let's talk about our team. And so, and he said, I want, I asked him, I said, what style do you want? And he's like, I want no effects. I want, I want high energy, something to get people going. And I was like, okay. So I wrote, you know, like a, a 30, 40 second tune. Um, and it's very generic. You know, I do, what are the guys on the grass? You know, let's, let's hear it for the guys on the grass, you know. Uh, you know, and then I named the team in there because it's all about this one particular team. And yeah. then the name of the show is called The Late Night Fox. So at the end of it, it's a late night fox. The late night fox, you know what I mean? And yeah. uh, but I'm gonna create. I'm creating a page right now. Like I said, I'm waiting for a logo for the for the couple of uh, company names that I've come up with. Once I get a good logo, I'm gonna I'm gonna process that page and I'll upload everything that I've done so far and let people know that you know whatever whatever they want. You know, I if. If you tell me I want a bluesy style song, I'm not Steve. I'm not, I'm not Stevie Ray Vaughan, but I can come up with something generic enough to to give a hook for people to listen to your stuff. Yeah, and I mean that's that's all that's necessary. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm kind of going for. I'm really kind of. That's really cool, man. I'm looking forward to this. See, that sort of, it, it, you going down that road is very similar to what I've done with the, the podcasting thing. It's just sort of something that I'm sure somebody, like, you didn't think about doing that as a business until someone asked you to, like, do that. Like Pretty much, yeah. I mean, like, I had, like, I've, I've, like, I've, I've done, I did a jingle for Surfwater years ago, and it was terrible. But it, if I'm not mistaken, I think it still gets played on the radio from time to time. But, uh, you know, and then I won that, we won that thing for Broadway, and I never thought about it again. But then Adam asked me to write him some whole music, and I did some goofy stuff. I'll send you that link. I'll send you yeah, that, do that. that later, and I think you'll love it. Um, do that. I'll put it in this episode if I get it quick enough. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, but, uh, you know, he did that, and then, you know, the, the vape guy was like, you know, let me... But I, he, well, he offered to send me some free vape syrup. And I was like, okay, well, how about, and it's his own company. It's a friend of mine from years ago. Yeah. I was like, how about I write the jingle and we can, you know, you can, whatever. This is me paying for my free syrup. He's like, dude, what? You know, and we talked about it. And like I said, I came up with that thing and dude, his customers are really, they're really receptive. They're very receptive to it. They love it. So I'm like, that's really good for you, man. Yeah, I'm like maybe it's something I might should because I'm not, you know, I'm not having a band up here. I don't have time to practice. But if you want to hit me up, say I need a jingle for something. Well, if you need a jingle for your podcast, by the way. Yeah, man. But you know, you know what I mean, though. Like, she, in all seriousness, no, you know, give me, give me a couple. If you want something, give me a couple weeks tops. And uh, if I don't have. If I don't have something that you like, then you don't have to pay me. I mean, that's a, that's a that's a fair way to do the to do business. I I really like the fact that uh, that you are that you're like just this sort of thing just kind of fell in your lap. Like if you 
if you had like extra time or whatever that you would be bored and you're like trying to find out a way to fill that time. If this thing's just like, oh, well, I'll just write you a jingle. And then it's like, oh, shit, so I can just do this now. Like, that's exactly what I've done with my free time in this podcast. Like, I I just, when uh, we first started talking about, I was like, I wouldn't mind doing a podcast. And one of the first people I talked to about that was Noah. And when he was like, well, let's do a Sunset Grill podcast. So that was the first one that I did. And I was like, oh, shit, so this is easy. This is fun. I have everything here to do it with. So I'm just going to start doing this now. And I think that's exactly what you've done with the uh with the jingles thing and uh, just recording stuff on your own and, and having all of these tools at your fingertips to do whatever you want to do at any time is a really nice luxury to have. And I, I, I applaud your, uh, your effort in making, making the best of that. But I, and I appreciate that. There's a lot of fun things going in. Like, I, like you said, you heard that poser baby, uh, yeah. Um, man, never in my life. I know nothing about trumpets and trombones. Like, I mean, I know enough. Like, I like I played in jazz band in high school. The trumpet trombone players used to talk to me and tell me what you know about stuff. Yeah. That was that was twenty years ago. Yeah. Well, you also listen to like the boss tones, and you know what horns are supposed to do. You know. True. Yeah. But I mean, but I've never in my life ever written a horn part, dude. That never in my life until this guy told me he wanted a ska tune or a ska sounding thing. So I was like, I had to sit. Like I, I, I played, I recorded the guitars, the bass, the drums, and then I'm like, what, what the fuck am I gonna do now? But I sat with it. Like I had the time to sit with it and just goof with it for a couple of hours. And I'm like, hey. You know, this would sound kind of cool, you know, and it took me a little bit of time. But, yeah. you know, one of those things, like you said, like, I mean, I mean, basically, like, I don't have a band. I'm not going to be playing at a band around here. Like, I, you know, man, I work all the time. This gives me a reason to come home and pick up my guitar and say, I've got work to do. That's, and, and having, being able to say that, that I have work to do, makes it, Sets it apart from I'm just going to jam. Like when you sit down and say I have work to do, that gives you an end goal. Like I have something I need to get to. It's not like I'm sitting around playing leisurely, which of course you, you, you know, there, there's, there's a time and a place for that. And I think that everybody should do that or every musician should find time to play leisurely. But it's so awesome when you're like, I have work to do. I need to, I need to get this out. I have this track that someone has requested, and I and I'm in the same situation as uh, what I was saying earlier about making those like uh, rap beats for Michael Swaim. Like uh, I know nothing about rap. I don't know. I mean, well, I, I've listened to it, you know, for for a while, but I didn't really know anything at all about making rap beats. But I sort of in I sort of took what I did know about music, and sort of uh, and it's it it, it sort of it's not rap at all. But this like it's a rock song or like a or like a uh, a rock track basically. And this dude's like rapping over it, so it sort of has that. uh, And I don't want to say Limp Biscuit, but or it sort of has that Lincoln Park Jay Z feel. You know what I mean? So it, it sort of has – you take what you do know and you implement that in in your work 
and sort of the same situation where you're coming in with those uh those trumpets and horn parts like you 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 know you know a lot about music and you know what it's supposed to sound like so that's it's it's easy you know to what, get that yeah, down once right, you start what kind of what works and what doesn't exactly it's not to say that you know what to do here but you're more or less like you're like okay if you do something wrong it's you know it's wrong exactly mm-hmm. and at the same time like you said you know with stuff like this like you can take it out you oh have yeah the ability to take it out like you can be like okay that's not right so let either start over or let's take from this idea and build from it. Exactly. That's good, man. You know, I'm really glad that you're, I'm really glad that you are doing well. And, and, uh, I know that whenever you were, you were here, you told me and a lot of other, a lot of other folks that you, you had an issue with alcohol and I remember you stayed here with me one night and had a cooler of of beer <laughs> next to the couch, and I'd never seen anybody who who uh, had to have that. So I am very very proud of the progress that you have made in your life, and it seems like you're doing everything the right way. It's uh, it's been a hell of a journey, that's for sure. I mean, it's, I can't say that I quit. Yeah, I did quit. I quit for like two years. Yeah, you quit for a really long time. I, I, I uh, like long before I quit, actually. Yeah, um, and I, I, yeah, I quit for yeah, I quit for a couple of years, and you know, I, I, I really, I'm still glad that I did. I, I, I'm back to drinking now, but I, I drink most nights of the week, but it's really, and I, I, I mean, I can, I can give some, I can give some credit to my wife. Uh, and it's not, it's not credit in the sense that like I, I like I'm not drinking like I did because she would be mad. Like really, like I don't, I don't need it like that anymore. That's really good, man. Like I, I remember whenever you said, uh, I think I even asked you about it whenever I saw you with a beer in your hand the, the last, uh, or you came to see us at Creek Rats, and I was like. What you're back on the sauce, and you were like, you know, I can handle it now. And you're like, I know, I know where the limit is. I know when to stop. And that's a hard thing to that's a hard thing to get a grasp on. And I'm stoked that you were able to do that. Not a lot of people in your situation. Yeah, it's kind of weird how it worked out, man. Like, uh, there's times like okay, when I was in like the beat hole show, that whole week I was in town, I drank way more than I normally do, like, just because it was vacation, beat whole show, like, there was a lot of adrenaline, everything was getting, yeah. you know what I mean? So, I mean, I was staying pretty drunk a lot of the time, but not 24-7, like, I was staying drunk at night while I was there. But, and Tammy was getting a little nervous about it. She was like, you're going to flow back into it, you know, you're starting to get too, too, you know, comfortable with this. But, man, we got back home. And I went to work on Monday, and I came home, and everything went right back to normal. I had a, I had some beers when I came home. I went to bed, got up, went to work, came back home, had a couple beers. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't. I didn't. Yeah, it's I once you realize that what you. I was. Yeah, once you realize that that's an issue yeah. uh, that you struggle with, you're always very careful about about any time you go back around certain things like that. 
Yeah, I mean, there's that. I mean, but this is everyone's. For some reason, like, my anxiety has seemed slowed down a little bit. Like, I'm not. Like, I just. But, like, I used to, I would drink, and the, my hangover the next morning would just be like, oh, you're. You, you can't handle this without alcohol. Now I wake up, and I'm just like, man, I'm tired. I'd better go back to sleep right now, but I guess I better go work. Yeah. <laughs> You know, exactly. Like, it's not, yeah, it's not that the alcohol is the root of every issue, which at one point it was. And I know for me it was. Like, if I woke up, yeah. I, I would be tired. But, yeah, there's a different tired than hang, than a hangover. That and, the, like, the massive hangover from the fact that you've been over-drinking for months. You know what I mean? Like, if I drink an extra beer or two tonight, like, tomorrow's going to feel different than it would, like, on a on a Tuesday you know, four or five years ago when I had drank myself, drank 18 beers, you know, a day. Oh, yeah. A month. So, I mean, it's, it's a lot different now. I mean, I, I, I'm, very, I'm, I'm very proud of myself and the fact that I have that control now. But at the same time, like I said, I mean, it's, it's – I have good vibes around me now. So it's not – I'm not sitting in misery all the time. That's and, a and very, like very good misery. point. That's a very, very good point. Like you being in a good situation and having a support group is is key in getting through any sort of situation. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. You know, yeah. Before I was, it was, it was me alone. Like I'm living with my older brother, but all he wanted to do was just tell me everything I was doing wrong. But like, you know, now. I'm, I can wait, like I said, everything's a good vibe now, like if I, if I wake up and I feel like I fucked something up, well, okay, I fucked it up, but it, tomorrow's another day. Exactly, you always have an opportunity, clean slate every day, you always have an opportunity to do the right thing. That's right. Or another opportunity hey, to do the right thing, rather. Just because there's a mistake doesn't mean that that's the end of the world. True story, not the end of the world. Well, Brother Zach, we're at the two-hour and 21-minute mark. I I could carry on this conversation for another two hours, but I'm sure you have things to do in the a.m., and it sounds like there's quite a storm of brewing outside here. Oh, I hear you, man. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah we, had our, we had our storms this past week, and you guys probably start to those up right, right about now. I, I know, although I didn't see the water spout. Dude, that was scary. It's just like, and I had one of my friends, Julie, was over here earlier today, and uh, uh, she went outside to smoke, and I went out with her, and uh, and she was, we were looking up at the at the clouds, and she was on a bicycle, and she was like, "Oh no, I got to get home before the before the storm hits," and we looked up, and there was like this. It just looked like a tornado was forming out of these two cloud like clouds. Uh, Whatever you, I don't know what you would call like a cluster oh, yeah, clouds that were just coming together. Cloud? Like a what? Like a funnel cloud? Yeah, it, it was a funnel cloud that was coming. That it was, but it was sort of two like clusters of clouds that were moving in different directions oh, towards each I know other. What you're talking about dude. That's Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was just really fucking creepy. And in the middle of those two cloud patterns that were moving closer together it just looked like there was this one funnel that was coming down in the middle and she pointed that out and i was like oh that yeah that doesn't look good but we came back inside and it cleared up 
it's just been doing that. These little flash storms around here, though, they, they come up and show up at like five minute time and fuck up all electronics and all kinds of shit and like uh, whole like cash register systems, like POS systems would go out at restaurants. We had that happen at Hot Fish yeah. Club recently. It was just these weird storms out of nowhere. But anyway, I'm hoping that this one outside isn't going to do that. So. But no, just, I mean, it should be good, dude. I was there for the, yeah. uh, the 2001 or 2000 tornado or whatever it was, man. I watched that from the second story of Broadway, Louis. That oh, wow. scared the hell out of me, dude. Wow. I, yeah, I never, I've never seen a tornado live. I thought I was dead, man. There, there was some guy there, and he had, like, the tornado went up, and he was like, well, we ain't got nothing to worry about now. And I'm like, what do you mean? And he's like... Once they go up, they never come back down. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I look back, and he's like, and it just dropped right back down. I'm like, we're all dead. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, it was good to know you. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, luckily I survived that one. But, I mean, you know, that one's on the coast. But at Broadway at the beach, man, sitting on the second story, dude, that it looked like it was like 10 feet away. Or, you know what I mean? It looked like it was like a mile away. I mean, just just to see all the all the shit that, that that one of those things can fuck up if it if it just randomly blows across where I live is 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 scary. And granted, I live in an apartment complex, which is probably a safer place to be than say like a, a house or something. Like maybe I don't know. This larger larger complex might be able to handle that. But shit, if it were to go across where my unit is, there wouldn't be nothing that I could do about it. If it, if it came through there. Yeah. But the apartment complex better than like a trailer or something around the area. Oh, yeah, that wouldn't be good. No. But anywho, so as far as uh, I, I totally forgot to ask you this until I looked at my notes and saw that I wrote it down. Super Troopers 2, and uh, we, we talked about your poser vape syrup. Uh, ad and we're gonna let people. We're gonna. I'm gonna add a link in the in the description for that. I'll find that and make sure to get that. Is there anything that you think that the folks should listen to that they may not be privy to otherwise? Uh, honestly, you know what, man? I made a joke earlier today. Somebody made a somebody made a, a somebody made a post and was like, "Hey, what do you what's your what do you think is the best album?" Artist of 2018. Yeah, Graham put that, I think. Yeah, who? who? Wasn't it Graham? Uh, Gray Flick. Oh, Gray did that. I, I, okay, okay, Gray, okay. Yeah, I made the joke with him today. Like, I commented on it and I was like, there's been new music come out in 2018. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, but, I mean, that's me as an old man. Like, um, Anybody who's a punk rock fan, the newest Pennywise album came out this this year, and it it was way better than I was expecting it to be. It's not phenomenal, but it's it's pretty good. Um, other than that, I mean, I don't like I said, I don't. I, never gonna die out now, or never gonna die. I mean. For the, I mean, for the most part, like, yeah, 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 never, yeah, never gonna die. I mean, the album is really, it's really good for new stuff. I mean, it's, uh, it's way better than I would have expected. Um, other than that, though, like, I haven't, 
nobody's really shown me anything new that's come out this year. Uh, I have that much reference. I got a couple of new records that I could send you because I don't I don't listen to any bullshit, which I'm pretty sure you know. Uh, but I'll send you a couple of couple of things that have come out this year that's pretty awesome. Because I, I have you gotten into Father John Misty yet? Do what? Have you gotten into any Father John Misty yet? I don't think I have. I'm gonna send you some Father John Misty. This guy's got a voice and a half. But before I do that, I I hear this thunder picking up outside. I want to get off of here so that just in case I lose any kind of power, that I will at least have all this stuff saved before that is to happen. But, uh, Brother Zach, I certainly appreciate you taking these couple hours out of your time to talk to an old crow like myself. Uh, An old lump of coal, as Norm MacDonald would say. (laughs) Well, hey, man, I'm more than happy to do it. Uh, yeah, you can give me a call anytime to be on this. Well, I'm... Um, well, anytime, anyway, you know what I mean. You can call me anytime for whatever reason. Well, I, I certainly appreciate that, and I'll definitely be talking to you. We'll be, uh, if we could use each other's uh, expertise at all musically in any of the ventures that we're on, uh, by all means, I'll also give me a call if there's anything that you need help with, which I know that you don't. You've got all this handled musically, uh, and, and, and you'll be doing just fine. Yeah, and we're also going to get you. We're also going to get you to be on the Sunset Grill again. So be brushing up on your conspiracy theories and shits because uh, we got a season. We got a season two of Sunset. <laughs> Perfect. All right, brother Zach. Thanks a lot for uh, thanks a lot for spending some time with us, brother. Oh, man, thanks for having me, dude. I love you, man. I'm going to be talking to you soon. Love you back, brother. See you later, man. All right. Later. All right, guys, brother Zach Williams. Good, good, good content. Uh, We've got a lot of music talk out, a lot of local stuff. Uh, If you guys made it this far and you're on a grand scale and you don't know uh, a lot of these names that we were throwing around, We'll be giving, uh, well, I will be sharing some things on the Patreon and the Facebook in regards to beat hole stuff so you can catch some of these references that we made. But anyway, not going to keep you guys any longer. Thank you so much for hanging out for this long episode. Love you. Mean it. Peace, bitches. <laughs>